World's Finest Podcast, Episode 99. As always, and this is the last time I get to do the intro for this show... I am Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how you doing? Um, doing pretty well. It's uh, quite odd, really, to be on episode 99 here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, it's it's weird knowing that we won't be reviewing any more episodes, you know, doing you know, like strict review of episodes we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know what to say about it. I mean, we kind of touched on it at the end of episode 98, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, the show really is done. Yeah, we've got our retrospective of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited today. And in two weeks, we have our retrospective of the entire DC Animated Universe and World's Finest Podcast. But, you know, as I said to you off the air, <laughs> you know, if one of us bucked the kick it tomorrow, we at the very least, we didn't get to 100 episodes, but we accomplished what we set out to do reviewing the entire DC animated universe. And uh, as, as you told me, again off the air, yeah, that's a very morbid way to look at it, but it's true all the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be weird to have, you know, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday nights free, not recording with you anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's just the way it is. I mean, the this, this show's over. You know, even people say, oh... You know, you could do this cartoon or you could do that cartoon, and that's true. But the point of this show always has been just covering the select shows. Hey, we have one more episode, so yes, not, not ex- really truly over yet. So. Exactly, and I'm sure I'll say this next time, too. You know, there's other shows where people can find us. You know, you've got Tranquil Tirades. Um, you know, I've got Earth2.net, the show. I've got Bigger on the Inside. You are a part of Earth2.net, the show. Um, And now that WFP is over, or is almost over, I think we can speed up how often we do the non-DCAU DC animated movies. Yeah, like Um, uh, Green Lantern. (laughs) Which is only a year plus late. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh God! I'm we'll oh, get man, to that I one, people. Like, I swear. Man, I feel like a schmuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not your fault. It's it's more my fault for not just nailing you down and you know nailing time down because I still want to record that one with Tom DJ. You know, mm-hmm. um, and we that's will really do my it. fault. We will yeah, do we will. But you know, there's still places you can definitely hear us. Um, and you know, I, I know I want to work with James again in the future. Um, so, you know, we'll see if we can come up with other ideas to do just that. Uh, might be a while, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. Now, we also have to bring up some really sad news. Um, you know, on, I believe it was f- the 21st of February, um, uh, Dwayne McDuffie um, unexpectedly passed away. Um, 
my understanding is that he had surgery the day before and uh, passed away the next day due to some sort of complications stemming from said surgery. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's wrong, you know, but that's the last thing I heard. Yeah, um, same here. yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any news that has contradicted that since then. Um, I just know when I saw it, it shocked the shit out of me. Um, I mean, he's a young guy. I think he had literally just turned like 49 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's not old. It really isn't. I know our younger listeners are going to be like, yeah, that's old. It's like, no, it's really not. The day that it happened, I was getting ready to text you about, you know, saying, oh, yay, uh, uh, this Saturday we can record the Dark Knight discussion on mm-hmm. the Dark Knight. And um, and I, I reach for my phone and I turn it on and I see that you sent me a text and I see that you said you know, Dwayne McDuffie has died. And I was like, no fucking way. I, yeah. I'm just standing there in my office at work, and I can't. I couldn't even believe what what I was reading. I mean, I, I really don't know what to say about it. I mean, I, I don't either. I, I mean, well, yeah. What, what 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 can you say? I mean, the guy was a major architect of you know the the, the later part of the DCAU. You know, he had a big hand um, in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited era. Um, I don't know if how involved he was before that. I don't know if he had a hand in like uh, Batman Beyond or anything like that. Um, but obviously he had a hand in Static. Yeah. I mean, that comes from the company. You know, Static comes from the company he founded. Uh, that being Milestone Comics. Um, so obviously he uh, had something to say there. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't know. Uh, we had someone write in and suggest that um, maybe in episode 100 we put together uh, a comprehensive list of everybody involved with the DCAU that has passed on. Um, not just during the tenure of WFP, but, you know, from the start of Batman the Animated Series um, all the way up to, like, the, pretty much the day before we air episode 100. Yeah. And... <laughs> We just that we just can't do that. The, the the research that would have to go into that would just be massive and impossible in the amount of time we have. Um, you know, all we can say is but the know, really the, the three big names are you know McDuffie, Shirley Walker, the composer for in BTIS, and um, I'm sorry, Boyd Kirkland, and yeah, yeah, Boyd Kirkland, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who just passed away like three weeks ago himself, right? Yeah, it wasn't very long ago at all. Yeah, I just hope they know that it was appreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I, I don't suspect they even knew of our little show here. Um, but I do hope they know that there is this huge, clamoring, um, dare I say, obsessive fan base. And I'm including myself and you, too, in that fan base. I don't want our listeners feeling like I'm insulting them. Um, that just love, uh, what they did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cliche to say, but I mean it, you know, just condolences to the McDuffie family. Um, yeah. Should we just get into some emails? I mean, I don't know where else to go from there. Yeah. Uh, okay. we sure started this one off on a, <laughs> a cheery note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, maybe the, maybe the listeners can, uh, 
give us a little bit to smile about here. Yeah. Uh, first one is from Aaron, who writes about the Superman dark side fights. Um, the first fight was Apocalypse Now, and in this one, Superman clearly loses his first fight with Darkseid badly. Soups is a bloody mess, and even his costume is in tatters. Only Dan Turpin saved him in the end. Darkseid wins. Fight number two in Legacy. Superman gets a little roughed up, but ultimately beats the ever-loving, uh, ever-loving crap out of Darkseid. And sure, Darkseid gets a uh, final spiteful word in, but he was being carted away by lowly peasants too injured to even move. It must have hurt Superman to know that he couldn't truly defeat Darkseid in a political battle, but how much more did it hurt Darkseid, who considers himself a god of evil, to be beaten to a pulp in front of his followers in his own palace? Once Superman left Apocalypse, I bet Darkseid's fuck you smirk fell right, right off his face. Superman wins. Okay. Again, physically, Superman probably did win that fight. Um, I'm, I'm going to concede that. But I really think in Darkseid's mind, and in my mind, Darkseid won the fight overall because he was able to fuck with Superman's head one last time. Um, so I really doubt that when Superman had gotten back to Earth, was off Apocalypse, Darkseid uh, was feeling bad about having had the shit kicked out of him. I really believe uh, he, he thinks he won. Number three, in Twilight, Superman burns two holes through Darkseid's foot and again brings the supposed god of evil to his knees. Sure, Batman intervened and stopped Superman from delivering the killing blow, but the battle was clearly in Superman's favor with no sign of a turnaround. In the end, Superman keeps Darkseid trapped on the asteroid until it blows. And alive, Darkseid himself says, only the slimmest of chances has allowed me to overcome my death at the hands of Superman. Superman wins. Well, but again... <laughs> <laughs> it's Superman. That fight ended because the the Brainiac asteroid was exploding. It, Superman really didn't kill Darkseid, you know. So even Dark, so Darkseid saying that that line doesn't really count to me. He died because he was in a giant, massive explosion. I could just as easily <laughs> say that because if Darkseid himself saying that, and Darkseid is, uh, you know, just a, a tiny bit arrogant. Um, him saying that his death was at the hands of somebody, you gotta say, yeah, uh, Superman killed him. <laughs> even though, even though I agree to some extent because the asteroid did ultimately deliver the killing blow. Okay, I, I see what you're saying there. I, I won't disagree with that. Okay, sure. And finally, in Destroyer, this one's interesting since Darkseid now has a physical advantage being somehow upgraded with the Brainiac technology. Uh, Go look at Darkseid and Alive and Destroyer. After being revived, he's got some kind of tech built into his body. This is the only real way to rationalize how he could have resisted Superman's power in Destroyer since he was beaten by less of an effort from Soups before. Darkseid remarks in Destroyer, I'm more powerful than I've ever been. It's definitely true that Darkseid seemed to have Superman on the ropes with the Agony Matrix and the Kryptonite knife, but, but in my opinion, there was a little too much distance in time between... Uh, the knife and Superman for it to be an absolute victory. We've seen Superman overcome nearly every single obstacle in his way over the years through nothing but sheer determination and willpower. It's pretty much his defining character trait. I'm not convinced that even uh, through the complete and utter pain, Soups wouldn't have been able to fight back and maybe fly Darkseid into space or something. And of course, the fight was already tilted a bit since Darkseid was physically enhanced, so it wasn't a quote-unquote fair fight. Not that it really matters, but whatever. I put this one down as either a stalemate or a dark side victory. So in my so in the end, in my opinion, the Superman dark side fights number in either an even tie or a very narrow Superman victory. Aaron, thank you for compiling that list because uh, I, I think we asked our listeners to do that, and uh, you answered the call. So thank you. 
Next one is from Graham, who writes, Hi, guys. I just wanted to drop you a line to say how much I've enjoyed the show. I've always been a massive fan of D- the DC uh, animated universe and thought I understood its complexity and merit until I heard your show. You guys really know your stuff and have allowed me to see the DC universe on a whole other level. I've taken some flack from uh, girlfriends in the past for being fans of cartoons in my late 20s, but your show has cemented my belief that it's okay, so thank you. I found your show after it was mentioned on the Geek Box. I'm working through the Geek Box archive, so it may not have been a recent show. I'm not sure. I have lis- uh, listened to your first 10 shows and have now started watching uh, watching the actual shows you're reviewing uh, prior to listening, and it really lets you get more out of the podcast. Anyway, thank you for all the time and effort you put into your show and for all the hours and hours of listening pleasure. And that uh, gentleman was from Scotland, so our our uh, our ex- expansion of the world keeps growing and growing. <laughs> yeah, um, if I remember, uh, before we record episode 100, I'll try to look at the stats and uh, compile a list of like everywhere the show has been downloaded and streamed and just generally accessed. Um, like I said, I'll try to remember to do that. Okay, yeah, because I'm genuinely curious about that myself. Next one is from Nicholas, who writes, Hey, hey guys, sorry for not emailing when you guys started talking about Justice League and JLU. I got too busy. Anyway, it's sad to see... The- How oh, dare you? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, it's sad to see WFP come to an end, but there's your other shows from Earth2.net to communicate with. James, I've been enjoying Tranquil Tirades with Damien and Michael, especially Doug, your Street Fighter, The Legend of Drama Queen, <laughs> Kristen Creek. I, I, I still don't even know how to pronounce her name. I know, I, I, I know. We've, we've been struggling with that since like the early days of WFP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kristen, whatever her name is, can't act to save her life. Uh, movie review. Glad to know you like the first Mortal Kombat movie as I do, despite the horrible makeup and animatronics on Goro and so- Sonya Blade suffering from what uh, the nostalgia critic calls the dumbass and distress disorder. I recommend uh, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, and Legacy fan film. They are really good. Uh, Mike. I have to go on my small bill uh, soapbox one last time because you implied in an earlier email and episode of Earth2.net the show that you're a Chloe fan. As I've said in the previous message, she's the worst character ever to be created by mankind, just like Lana Lang and you-know-who from Batman Beyond. <laughs> um, now, I believe at this point, there's like a list of like all her faults in all the seasons thus far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to have you rattle those off just for the sake of spoilers. I mean, I know the show's been on the air for like 10 years or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's still people who have yet to discover it. And what was it like last episode of the episode before that, someone was rightfully lamenting that we spoiled things way too early on in the DCAU, and I don't want to ruin another show for uh, for listeners who have, who have yet to see it and are interested in seeing that. So, so, so we'll stay away from that. Um, what I will say about Chloe is that I'm not saying she's the best character in the world. Um, she definitely has her faults, and I agree with some of the things you listed, um, again, that, that we're not reading here, um, the, as being some of her faults. Um, but two things about that. One, I only watched Smallville up to like season three, maybe four, and then I just completely abandoned it. But two, I just felt she was a lot better than Lana Lang, and that comes down to the actresses um, and the writing, frankly. I think that the producers of Smallville thought that the actress who played Lana, whose name I can't pronounce, because, you know, and I know James can't because he was just trying. Kristen, um, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think they thought she was prettier, so 
they didn't put much, much put much depth into her character, and then but they put more depth into Chloe's character. Uh, so for me, Chloe's character just seemed much more well rounded, um, but definitely had major major uh, 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 faults to her. I just would have rather have seen Clark get with the attractive smart girl than the supposedly beautiful dim-witted other girl. I, I never liked that portrayal of Lana, ever, ever. So I really think you could have had Clark fall in love with a rock, and I would have thought <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, said rock was better than the piece of moss that played Lana Lang. Of course, we have to mention that uh, the Friday after this episode of WF, WFP airs, so will air... Is this your guy's fourth official episode of yeah. Tropical Tyrants? Yeah, the fourth standalone episode. Right. And uh, you guys were reviewing... What is it? Uh, Ballistic X versus Sever. Oh, my God. And I suffered through this one. Yes, we, I, uh, we got an email from uh, one Michael Sims. Yeah, only one? You didn't get two? Well, I... I meant, well, it's it's a two-part email, but oh, okay. I, was, I was just saying one for the sake of this. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I know I sent in two because, I mean, the only reason I watched it is because Netflix had it on streaming. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I was, oh, my, oh, lordy, 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 that movie is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike actually had to waste some Microsoft points on his Xbox for us to be able to watch it. How can you have to waste Microsoft points? I don't understand. Well, we had to spend... Microsoft points because the only place we could find it was on Xbox Live or either I guess it was Netflix or whatever their movie streaming services Zoom maybe it was maybe it was Zoom. Oh wait, you have to you got do you guys have Netflix or no? I'm confused. We have Netflix, but the uh, bill was not paid you know, on time, oh, so we did not okay. have access to Netflix that particular night. I was going to say that would <laughs> suck to have to use your Microsoft points. For a service that you're already paying for independently, you know. But okay, I understand now. I understand. But yeah, guys, you gotta listen to this episode of Tranquil Tirades when it airs uh, this upcoming Friday, because um, I can only imagine the pain y'all were in. Oh, such a brutal movie. Um, but we should also say that officially, our review of The Dark Knight, which will be an episode of Earth Today at the show, has been recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, the raw recording is uh, six hours and I think seventeen minutes. Yeah, maybe fifteen minutes, somewhere around there. Uh, that is the longest recording I have done in one sitting. Not the longest recording, or not the longest episode ever, but done in one sitting ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that'll get get down to after editing because I think there's like like ten or fifteen minutes straight off the front that get cut because we were just bullshitting. And I just happened to I just I just happened to be recording. There's a bathroom break. I think there's a water break. You know, there's other little things that are just gonna get cut out. So, you know, please don't think that uh, you know, if let's say the final runtime is like five hours and twenty minutes, they'll be like, Oh my god, they cut an hour. No, we cut an hour because it was just dead air or just nothingness. You know what I mean? Yep. Um so, yeah, yeah, I don't know what episode of Earth 2 at the show that's going to be, but it will air on, I believe, the date. I'm looking at right now will be the... No, that's the wrong month, Mike. The 19th of March. The 19th of March, yes. So make sure you check out Earth2.net for that. All righty. 
Uh, next email is from Adonis, who writes, Well, you did it. Congrats on quite the accomplishment, gentlemen. And I'm proud to have gone along for the ride. Anywho, enough of that. I just had some thoughts and questions to share with you two. First off, in the episode The Dark Heart, the Justice League unveiled the binary fusion gun, as you stated in your review, but I think there is a reason for the name of the binary fusion gun, the acronym of which... Uh, is BFG, which to yes. most sci-fi fans stands for Big Fucking Gun. There's no yes. way this was just an accident. And it's the perfect name for it, since that's exactly what it was. I, I think you mentioned that, didn't you? Um, If I didn't, then I think a list, another listener did in, in during the email section. Okay. Yes, but it was mentioned on the show, yeah. All right. In Ultimatum, Batman asks Aquaman if he can communicate to the magma creatures, and Aquaman comedically repro- uh, replies, do they look like fish to you? Which makes Batman look kind of dumb for asking it. But when you really think about it, Aquaman doesn't only communicate with fish. He can communicate with whales and dolphins, so really Batman's question wasn't really that dumb. That's actually something I've kind of wondered about over the years. How is he able to communicate with these two mammals, but none other? Well, I believe I've... I believe he can also communicate with some humans. I don't know where I saw this or where I picked this up, but I believe he can communicate with some humans as long as those were a particular branch of humans that evolved from fish or something like that. So as long as you have like some sort of fishiness in you, maybe you ate some salmon that afternoon, I don't know, <laughs> Aquaman can... BL telepathic with you. After listening to your rant about people getting killed by debris, thanks for Superman, I got to wondering, do you think that in this world of superheroes and supervillains, schools and buildings have drills like we do with tornadoes and mm. fires and whatnot? Like, I bet they have a fire drill and then a drill in case we're a giant four-eyed interdimensional demon that takes over the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... That, I mean, <laughs> you have that's, to hope so. Yeah, when you're world building, uh, especially like a superhero world, you have to come up with things like that. Um, even if you don't ever see them, you now know another crucial element of that world. So, yes, you know, in the DC universe, in the Marvel universe, in any superhero universe, you can guarantee that they have stuff, that they do have something like that. And really one, good idea there, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, mm-hmm. And one final question. The producers themselves disagree with each other on whether or not Shaira, John, and Carter are, in fact, reincarnated or not. Both sides have valid points, so it really could go either way. Apparently, that's why Dwayne McDuffie put that stuff in Shadow of the Hawk about the machine being broken and having false memories implanted into Carter. So are you guys for or against the reincarnation theory? Uh, I'm, um, I'm for it, because, and I, I say that because everything just... The way they go about it, they have the same voice actors voicing this character and this character and this character and this character. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's you have the same people, quote-unquote people, falling in love with each other uh, or betraying this person. So I'm, I've always – I've never really thought that there was any kind of controversy around this. Well, I mean, I'm for it just simply because that's part of the – Hawk man, hawk girl, hawk woman, whatever mythos. Yeah, they die, or you know, they fall in love. They, I believe, like pretty much shortly after they say "I love you," they're both killed. Then they come back, wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, I, I, I had no clue there was any sort of controversy amongst the uh, creators either. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that it could explain why Green Lantern is staying with Vixen. He doesn't want to die. <laughs> quite true quite true I mean but don't forget he did also say that he wasn't going to let fate control him or whatever right. mm-hmm. oh sorry that was a lot but I had to get all my final thoughts out before you ended the podcast regards Adonis thank you thank sir thank you Adonis 
And next one is from Skyler, who writes, Good news, gentlemen. The show can continue. The DC Comics and Warner Brothers animation executives, in my imagination, have announced that Batman Brave and the Bold is in DCAU continuity. <laughs> the last episode will finish with a scene where Bruce Wayne, Kevin Conroy, awake awakens beside an animated version of Suzanne Plachette, presented here through archived audio. The Conroy Bruce will attempt to regale Plachette of his odd dream before get, uh, being t- told to go back to bed. A similar ending is planned for Young Justice, where Robin, Scott Menville, awakes one day to... And here's the shower running. He runs into the bathroom and sees Starfire, who greets him with a hearty good morning. Okay, so it's not really true, although I hope you get the references there. Yes, yes, indeed. But can't we just pretend it is and keep it going? I and half the listening audience had to pretend Teen Titans was in continuity recently. Oh, just had to get another shot in there on this man. Not that I'm complaining. I love the Titans shows. You guys actually made me give the program a second look after not being a fan during its past airings. Thanks for that, since it's damn fun. Also, thank you for the whole of WFP. You've entertained us and made us think for years. Uh, and while I'll be sad to see the show go, I look forward to your next endeavors. And P.S. Happy birthday, Mike. Oh, thank you. Next one is from Michael, who writes, Hey, guys, this will probably be the last time I'll be emailing in, so sorry if it's a little long. First first off, I'm a little confused with one timeline. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker takes place between seasons two and three. In this movie, Bond... Does it? I I don't know. I I mean, I think it's... I could swear we sort of discussed this on the show before, where I could swear we were trying to figure that out at one point. But okay, let's just let's just say it does. We'll just roll with it. Okay. In this movie, Bonk, one of the Jokers, is killed. Terry meets the Justice League in Season 3, The Call. Yet in the episode, The Once and Future Thing, Part 2, we see Bonk and his gang fighting the JLU, including Batman, even though he's supposedly dead. The only way I can justify this is by what was happening in that episode. Kronos was messing with time and reality. But that aside, there are some things I would like to say to you. You are both an inspiration and the true definition of fanboys. You have exposed me to universes that I didn't even know existed. Literally. Only ever liking BTAS and the Justice League, you've both made me come to love the entire DCAU, including Static. I just thought this uh, is the kind of feedback that you would like to hear. Thank you for always being there when I have questions and to get me through the tough times. P.S. Mike, I agree with you uh, on your 9 out of 10 for Destroyer. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, the future we see in the once in future thing, that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. None of that ever actually happens. Um that that future only really comes to pass because you're right. Kronos is messing with everything. Um, if you look, um, not only is Bonk still alive, but uh, every all of the Jokers are altered. Um, the Deedees are like Jamie Madrox, the Multiple Man, where they could multiply. They couldn't do that before. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the? Didn't the Wolf guy have like metal parts they oh, didn't have yeah. before? Yeah, Wolf was, it was like a freaking saber wolf from killer instinct with all these mechanical parts yeah uh the 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 guy that michael rosenbaum voiced uh um, cool yeah he didn't he didn't he have an arm that transformed into a saw and an exploding jack-o'-lantern pale thing right yeah um also in that future terry dies um if you remember the dds um they either draw and quarter him or they electrocute him to death depending on I, I do believe it's supposed to be taken as they rip him apart, but you could also say he's electrocuted. Either way, he does die. Um, so none of that actually happens, um, you know, because they set the timeline right. So John and Green Lantern, John and Green Lantern, Batman, <laughs> Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman was there too, right? Yeah, but she doesn't remember any of it because she disappeared. 
Right, yeah, all three of them, they do have that adventure, and they will always have that adventure, but that timeline is completely erased because Batman fixed it. Uh, Michael actually sent a really quick follow-up here. He said, and regarding episode 100, the reason I sent this email in was to tell you, uh, so I could tell you to make episode 100 epic. Fill it with funny sound bits, music, and all your bloopers. I will not listen to it if it's less than three hours. Well, no, I'd still listen to it, but still, make it awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any outtakes. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Like partway through i don't know maybe around episode 40 or 50 i started lamenting the fact that i never saved all the outtakes um and i started thinking well i could save them from this point but i'm like yeah but then i won't have a complete record of them you know and you know it would just seem awkward to start all the outtakes from like one particular point so no there won't be uh uh like just a slew of them i mean you, you know, we've got Ian's clip segments, which, of course, we're going to have one today for our Justice League and Justice League Unlimited era. Um, and I believe for episode 100, you're going to have, again, another clip segment um, about all the stupid, stupid shit we've said <laughs> in the 99 preceding episodes. Um, but, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, as, as for its length of being three hours long... Um, I have no idea how long it's going to be. Um, I, I, I somehow you, doubt... But I was going to say, a lot of it depends on uh, the feedback, really. And the amount of emails we have to read, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've already got a good number, but yeah, guys, definitely keep sending them in. Because um, this will be your last time, too. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you could still send emails in once the show is done. Feel free. Just obviously, none will be read on the air anymore. Because there will be no more WFB. There will be no more air to be, for them to be read on. <laughs> exactly. This is how I see podcasting. A show goes as long as it needs to go. If an episode, and this this isn't just for WFP, it's also for Earth 2.net at the show, Bigger on the Inside, and all the other podcasts, any podcast, um, you, you shouldn't stretch it out. If your show should just stop after 22 minutes because you're done talking about things, don't try to force an hour out of it. You just can't do that. Just be happy that you got those good 22 minutes and move on. So I hope you guys, uh, uh, you know, aren't sad that the next episode isn't three hours, if in fact it isn't three hours, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, what were you going to say there? Uh, something I'm going to do for the week of episode 100, I'm, I'm compiling a column. I was originally planning on doing several columns, like mm-hmm. to make a little series out of it, but I think I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep it to one. Uh, it's basically going to be a chronicle of WFP uh, from my point of view, and uh, just and I will try to remember some uh, funny moments that were yeah. not aired. I, okay. It's going to be really hard for me because I'm basically going to have to go through as many episodes as I can to just try and listen to stuff and think, oh yeah, there was something that was supposed to be there. Oh yeah, yeah that happened. This happened. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, that will go. You know, when I'm done with it, I assume it'll go up on the main page during the week of episode 100. And, yeah, uh, I, yeah. If you want stuff like that, that's where you'll probably find it, is mm-hmm. in my column. Okay, we have a text message here. Um, let's see. No, uh, this is from Josh, I'm sorry, who writes, Just wanted to point out one thing I noticed uh, that was not mentioned in your review of Destroyer. If you look closely, you can see Galactus among the figures that make up the source wall. Yeah, I, I had to go back and look at that. It's not Galactus exactly, because obviously they couldn't animate a Marvel character right. into a DC cartoon. Um, but it very closely 
resembles mm-hmm. Galactus. This figure does. Um, yes. And of course, you know, Jack Kirby created Galactus or co-created Galactus, and uh, you know, created the new gods and the Source Well and all that. So of course. Um, it makes sense that the producers of the DCAU would throw Galactus into the source wall there. Very nice little thing. And I don't think I'd ever really noticed that before. So good on you uh, for, for picking up on that. And thank you for pointing it out to me. Uh, lastly, we have a voicemail from Donovan. Hey, Mike and James. Uh, this is uh, Donovan Grant uh, calling in for the first time. Um, after, uh, I believe I emailed you guys a couple of times over a year or so. I think we guys were covering static shock. And um, since you guys are nearing the end of your run, I'd just like to uh, give in uh, my thoughts and kudos for you to make it all the way. Uh, we've provided Miles Howard's entertainment. Some with consternation. I mean, you know, I kind of disagree with some of the things you say, but uh find myself more and more often coming to start saying, yeah, you guys are right. Um, I listened to your um, – excuse me, I'm, about, I'm, about, I'm out of breath right now. I listened to your uh, coverage of uh, the last three Justice League Unlimited County epilogue. And um, I was curious on think things just for your opinion. One, I would really like to know what you guys thought overall of the character of Amanda Waller. I mean, I thought she was one of the most compelling, uh, engaging characters in the entire DCAU, without saying most of the praise goes to CCH Pounder for voicing her. And I was just wondering what you guys thought about her final appearance, well, chronologically, in the uh, epilogue where she kind of, the whole age comes with age comes with wisdom at edge. She's uh, living that, and she's from this old sort of wise woman who's kind of come full circle. Also, uh, I was just wondering with um, when you get, this is more of a question for your hundredth episode. What's your guys' favorite? Uh, maybe if you had a favorite episode for each series or favorite character. I know you guys listed your favorite characters in the, when you covered for the final time Team Titans, but uh, I would just be interested in listening to that. Um, a little more an epilogue. I remember when I first saw it. Uh, back when it first aired, I was about 16 at the time. I really didn't like it because I didn't know that the black and white scenes were, they didn't happen. I thought that they, they really did portray Bruce as a sort of like Machiavellian, uh, psychopath. But I didn't get to later that it was, that was supposed to contrast with the more down-to-earth, three-dimensional Batman that we saw in the Justice League flashback when he went to talk to Ace right before she died. Which is why I love that episode so much. It shows for, for the final time the DJU, like the Bruce Timm stamp on Batman and how he's this very, he, he has so many ties to him. It's not just the dark and grim and gritty or, you know, just the, the super scientist. He can do everything kind of Batman. He's just like this, it's like Amanda Waller describes him. He's just this guy who just does the best he can with his mind, body, and will. I really like that. So, um, I guess that's just sort of getting my thoughts and not yours. So, uh, once again, uh, congratulations on making this far. Um, very excited to listen to the next two episodes, the final two episodes. And, uh, hope you guys enjoy doing it as well, because we've all enjoyed listening to them. So, thanks you guys. Talk to you later. Uh, thank you, Donovan. Um, so James, I'll, I'll have you start off, uh, this one. What, what did you think of Amanda Waller and, uh, her voice actress? Uh, what was her name? CCH Pounder? Yes. Yeah. What were you thinking about the character and the actress? Um, I was, I, I like them both. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Pounder was the really a great voice for that character, um, and she, of course, actually uh, goes on to voice Amanda Waller again in uh, Superman Batman Public Enemies, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, overall, as relates to the Justice League 
or DCAU Amanda Waller, I, I liked her character. I liked that she started off as this hard ass, you know, I'm, don't fuck with me or we will, <laughs> we're going to cause you major problems kind of woman. And then she slowly but surely starts to realize, you know, that Luthor is, well, Lex flipping Luthor. And, uh, then our last appearance of her, uh, the last appearance we see of her is with Eiling and she's just like, look, the, the JLU is, they are doing good, so just get with the times. And, you know, of course, we see her in epilogue, but I'm just talking about uh, in present time. So, And I, I really did love her uh, portrayal in epilogue. I thought it was very cool. She she comes off as, like, the, uh, the dotty old woman, but really she is trying to uh, help Terry cope with this new news that he's received. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I really love her character because if you look at her, she's she's unassuming. I mean, she she just looks like a heavy middle-aged woman. You know, you really wouldn't think just by seeing her that she was in charge of one of the most potentially destructive covert organizations in the world. You know, that she was heading up a group, several groups, mind you, that were meant to take down superheroes. Because, of course, don't forget, she also had Task Force X, uh, you know, Re the Suicide Squad, underneath her charge, you know. Um, you, you would never, ever think that of her. But then, you know, the second you get to know her, you realize, oh, man, this, this bitch is badass, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you... What's the first time we see her? Is yeah. it in Ultimatum? Ultimate. Yes, yeah, so the so you know again, I'm saying if you just saw her, if you somehow just saw her on the street, that's what you would think. But then the first time we really meet her in Ultimatum at the end there, when she calls Bruce Rich Boy, and even before that, when she's has all her men draw their guns on the fucking Justice League, um, you just can't believe the balls on this woman. And best of all is you know from that little interaction, she'll pull the trigger. She is not bluffing. She will take these guys down if she gets the chance. Um, mm-hmm. So basically what I'm saying is I thought she was written very well, and I think Pounder did a stellar job conveying that with her character. And just like you, I loved her character arc going from the very single-minded, we must bring down the just the Justice League uh, type of person to not only turning around and seeing things their way, but also what we learn in Epilogue is she was their liaison after a while, mm-hmm. uh, their government liaison. So that tells you that, yeah, she really was like, okay, you know what, I was wrong. She, she manned up. And admitted she was wrong where she was coming from before. And that the League, yeah, it is scary. You know, these people with these superpowers, they, they could take over the world if they want. But she started looking at them and going, no, you know what? That's not what they want to do. They're stopping the people that want to do that from doing that. And again, you get that all through the writing and all through some really great voice acting. So that, of course, leads us to... Ian Wilson's tribute <laughs> to our My favorite Justice part League. of these episodes. <laughs> yes, to our Justice League and Justice League Unlimited era. Uh, just a heads up, this is just about 35 minutes long. The end is finally upon us. Mike and James have run out of DCAU programs to review. 
but they were going out on a high, and boy, did they know it. Secret Origins, the first Justice League story. Woo! Yay! Ah, so glad we're into Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) What are you looking forward to with Justice League? It's it's the Justice League. <laughs> it's one of the greatest cartoons ever made. I, I can't wait. For me, though, I'm excited to see if we give anything lower than an 8. You know? Really lower than a 9. That's right. Justice League. One of the greatest shows ever to be created in the history of anything. Or is it? There's something I want to say, though, about these opening credits. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Hawkgirl is being held with her mace still in her hand. (laughs) Green Lantern still has his power ring on inside this thing. What the fuck? We basically get the origin story of Aquaman's trident, because we needed that. So what are you thinking so far? I fucking hate this episode. I just really don't care about LaFay and her son. Mike, you don't like any of these episodes we're about to discuss today. No. All the crap with John is overdone. It's fucking annoying. It's not one I enjoy or would ever go back and watch again if it weren't for us reviewing it today. Let me count the ways that this sucks. How the fuck did he not get discovered for two and a half years if he can't? stand sunlight. Thank you. This is the perfect example of padding. I mean, this whole story just should have been one episode. It would have been a good episode, but it would have been better than the two parts we got here. Flash cannot catch up to a speeding van? From top to bottom? I mean, it's not terrible. It's not It's not War World. It's not Hearts and Minds. It's, it's, just, I, it's just not great. My god, this episode from start to finish is so fucking lame. Uh-huh. It, it makes no sense any way you try to look at it. Oh, boys, War World! One. <laughs> John rebukes the Green Lantern Corps for doubting him, and he thanks his friends in the League for believing in him, and they go home. <sighs> I, too, have noticed, just like our listeners have noticed, that I've been really down. On the Justice League as of late. Indeed. It turns out the adventures that starred just the original Seven had been largely remembered with rose-tinted spectacles. And it wasn't just the moments either, as the hosts found themselves not really warming to one character in particular. I'm really getting sick of Green Lantern with this ten-foot pole up his ass and out his mouth. John Stewart being a dick again. You know, previously I've moaned about how harsh John can be. You know, that sometimes he seems like a bit of a dick. So distracted were Mike and James that they started referencing other people as a means of active tangential deviation. And guess who bore the brunt of this humor? We're already starting with Ian's next segment. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even think that that could end up on the Clip Monkey show. I want to make sure I word this in a way that it doesn't come off like I'm a misogynist, okay? (laughs) I'm not a damn fisher. An underwater... Sorry, sorry. I'm channeling Ian in a damn sorry. I'm going to do it throughout this whole episode. Go listen to For Your Ears Only, people. You'll, You'll get the joke. It's by Ian Wilson. You'll love it. He's a genuine Brit. She had it coming. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're terrible. That goes out to our clip monkey and his (laughs) co-host. That's no way to refer to Dave Probert. But then, 
I was not the only person being called upon to work on this podcast. But then again, I think you expected this call, considering that Mike once again evokes my name, as if to expect me, just like last time. So, uh, you naughty, 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 uh, master of the earth2.net domain, you. At least Tom and I are getting positive press, however. Another contributor to Earth 2 was not nearly so lucky. Yeah. I hate Kellen. I hate <laughs> him so much. Um, <laughs> Kellen brings up a thread from uh, like six years ago. Yeah, when this like, episode the, debuted, yeah. And then I'm talking about, oh, what the fuck was this thing? <laughs> With the pig and the, uh, the singing and like, what, what, what was this? Yeah. Man. My how things can change in six <laughs> But for all the hatred in the hearts of Mike and James, they had not forgotten how to love. Because we see that he did indeed sever off his own motherfucking hand. Hard fucking core. <laughs> I love the Ace character. They built her up so well. I love the Flash here, you know. Superman is overjoyed. And he runs up to Batman and hugs him. He's like, yeah, you're my number one Gale. Ooh, 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 I didn't mean to call back to that. You're my number one Gale. <laughs> so. We see uh, Toy Man, Calabac, Weather Wizard, Metallo, and uh, <sighs> Livewire. They get a phone call from Sergeant Irishman. He then phases into a cryogenics room where none other than the naked body of Adolf Hitler is encased in ice. Oh, how could we forget to mention Flash's shagmobile, his, his van? Oh, wow. When he starts to fly in to help, uh, he has some kind of psychic a, a headache or attack that just knocks him out. Psychic vibrations, Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Batman shows up, Amazo scans him, and he's like, Psst, you ain't nothing special. And Batman's like, yeah, you know what? Hide that kryptonite! They are then rather rudely interrupted by the one, the only, Lobo! <laughs> He's heat-visioning everything, and then when the Mr. Mixie's Pitalik pop up, well, pops up, he just punches it. Speaking of crazy, who should show up but the Joker? What I like the most about that scene is when they're leaving, Flash says, nice meeting you, ma'am, if we ever need a replacement for Hawk Girl, and then he just runs away. <laughs> We pan over and we see Lobo just stacking cars on top of Calabac's body. And he's like, say it, say it. And he's like, uncle. Faust and equals whoa. <laughs> just because, you know, as, as you said, he first gets turned into an old man and then he gets another spell cast on him and turns into bones, turns into dust, dust in the wind, dude. Oof, oof, oof. And I wonder if they did ask John Stewart's landlady to join after Starcrossed. <laughs> Batman fights a chair. That was interesting. Yes. And Flash ditches Diana to go flirt with some bikini models and in quotes. <laughs> yes, I'm using I'm using the PG PG thirteen rated version here. <laughs> you know, you LOLs before, but now you're gonna OMG. <laughs> Inside the four canisters is imprisoned the one, the only Ron Perlman. I'm sorry, Clayface. <laughs> Yay! I threw a rock at it. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They threw a rock at an extra-dimensional portal. And if you've never seen this episode, this man is the DCAU version of Hugh Hefner. Out to the looks, voice, lifestyle, and anything else you could possibly imagine except the class. Not only did he pick up the Flash's speed, he picked up the Flash's libido. Batman interjects and uh, 
He says, yeah, we know what he did to you. He brainwashed you and turned you loose on the earth. Cry me a fucking river. <laughs> so he's putting on just like tons of gun and grenade belts. And she's he like, looks like a Bob Liefeld character. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He really does. Like, but the guy speaks in Kaznian. You can't understand a word that I'm saying, and I wouldn't tell you anything if you could. So Batman looks at him, <laughs> leans in, speaks Kaznian. I can and you will. <laughs> nice. Flash says, which way is west? And they say that way, and then Flash just takes off running across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Batman can't figure out how to stop Brainiac, so he just pounds the fuck out of the main console and causes a circuit <laughs> circuit break, which overloads the entire meteor. <laughs> Batman's like, it's the DCAU. I can, br- I can blow up a computer by punching it. I love in Arkham how Scarface was lobotomized, but not the ventriloquist. Hawkgirl says to... Uh, Cthulhu, I have I have a gesture for you, but my hands are tied. Yeah, that was great. I wrote that line down. That was wicked. And he figures out that Luthor is a lying douchebag dickhead. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're a lying douchebag dickhead. So he smiles and says, you're dumber than you look. Flash says, oh yeah, well, you're naked. Because it was Hitler, and then Savage, and then Hitler was back. And we had Jay Leno, we had Conan, and now we got Jay back. Ah, I like the parallel I just do there. Yeah, Jay Leno's Hitler. Okay, wow. Here, Arkham is covered with lush gardens and fresh coats of paint <laughs> and and a staff comprised totally of lobotomized Batman villains. <laughs> and then he puts the, the morning armband on as a headband. Flash just says, well, I sped up my heart rate until it looked like I flatlined. <laughs> Batman's like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> and Flash says, well, I didn't either. He opens the fridge and there's a giant frog in there. It licks it. And they're like, is there, where's the food? He's like, are you French? No, no food. Loved the visual of Brainiac's half-blown-off face. Dee's face melts into Dr. Destiny's face, that Skeletor face. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> and it certainly helps that the finale of Justice League was just a bit special. She bites his hand, grabs the knife out of midair with her teeth, crushes the guy's pelvic bones, headbutts him, and spits his knife into the control panel, releasing her. And Superman threw a hammer at a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and John Jones was wielding dual maces. Yeah. Wally's like, hey, that's a giant dinosaur. And Alfred says, oh, and I thought Batman was the detective. Shaira knew where the cave was. That means she knew who Batman was. Yep. So Batman takes the opportunity to rattle off one of the single greatest lines in cartoon history. Wally West, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. Awesome. Yeah. What does so, Flash say? Show so, off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, I hate to say it, but it really does bother me that, you know, the one guy who's still shackled, the black guy, like, that's just, no, it's just bad, bad imagery. Flash takes it upon himself to just press a random button, which blows a hole in the wall of Bruce's house. I love Alfred just ducking. <laughs> yeah. Jean has a badass moment here, and he's just like, he grabs Krieger's head and he says, I'll just have to try harder. You know what? The climax of this episode, it only happens because he's got major blue balls. That's all it is. He (laughs) just can't get laid, and that's all he wants. If Krager didn't walk in, I don't think any of this shit would have happened. Clark then says, yeah, I'm impressed. Let's go wreck it. (laughs) You never, ever hear awesome stuff like that from Superman. That was awesome. I can't watch that line without welling up. Batman takes it upon himself to disguise himself as Alan Napier, and uh, <laughs> that's the moment that—that's the other moment that makes me cry. 
the Flash walking up to Shaira and hugging her. This episode's awesomeness speaks for itself. And lest we forget the thing that makes great podcasts, random counts. We need, okay, a great Hera or Hera give me strength count. We need Hawk Girls just grunting count. Oh no, we'd be counting for God knows how long. <laughs> and James indeed got his wish. This is Diana saying, Hera, help us for the first time. <laughs> Hera, Hera, count one. Yeah. Great Hera. Do you have to say that all the time? Oh, we have a Hera give me strength alert. We didn't get a great Hera in this episode, did we? Nope. What the, what the, whoa, whoa okay, anyways. Flash, uh, remember, Flash said great jumping Hera. So with Justice League done and dusted, the hosts decided to venture outside of the continuity to Teen Titans. That is, according to people who are wrong. But after Teen Titans itself was completed, Sims and Doe had reached, in the words of Europe, the final countdown. And I can think of no better clip package to introduce the JLU than this one, which respects, in its entirety, what the show is all about. Uh, Shayira catches her and she's like, bitch, what are you doing? And Wonder Woman's like, bitch, I'm taking this. And is like, no, you're not, you fucking bitch. Well, they go back and forth calling each other bitches. We get more bitch, 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 bitch <laughs> with Huntress and Canary. I do not justify bitch slapping. <laughs> Unless it's Aquaman. I'm about to say, this this point of view is held only by Mike. I, I am all for bitch slapping when it needs to be done. Uh, sorry, wrong clip selection. I meant how awesome the contributors to the show really are. This was George Newbern's best job as Superman yet. Carl Lumbly as Jean. Just uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. It's absolutely. so alien. It's perfect. Maria Canals is awesome. Um, I love Mark Hamill kind of rep- uh, reprising his role as the trickster. Oh, and of course, J.K. Simmons, uh, oh, yeah. Wayne Eiling. Yeah. Anything J.K. Simmons is in turns to gold. So, assumedly... The hosts have even softened on the Green Lantern. And uh, what is it? Elongated Man says something like, hey, I can help out. And Green Lantern says, Plastic Man's down there. We don't need two stretchy guys. What a dickhead! Okay, then. But then, however much people dislike Jon Stewart, the character rather than the satirist, he was eclipsed in the JLU by some major super dickery. Next up is Clash. In this one, Captain Marvel shows up, Superman's a dick, they fight, the end. But Superman, what the fuck is his problem? Yeah, I was going to say they borrowed one of those iron girders that fell on Mandragora to shove up Superman's ass in this episode, because that's clearly what was going on here. You know, I don't want her to be just Superman's cousin. He's being all stuffy and dickish in a weird way about it. Batman is is nicer to Captain Marvel in this episode than Superman is. There's so many other ways they could have gotten to this to the same end result without having Superman act like an outright dickhole. Superman turns the his dick switch on and is all like, I hate this guy, or he's hammy, or whatever. You know, I was like, really? <laughs> it's Superman. He has super hearing. He doesn't need to shush anybody. Ever. <laughs> he can hear Lois Lane fart if he's on Mars. And hey, whilst we're on it... Let's get any bad stuff out of the way now. I can promise you it'll be shorter than the equivalent segment of its forebear. 
Is it safe to say that this is JLU's version of the Terrible Trio? I don't hate this one. I hate this one. We see that Stargirl is very, 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 very bitchy and jealous about Supergirl. So we go back down to Cadmus, and Waller asks Dr. Milo. Yeah, we all remember this schmuck, right? <laughs> the parade's during the day, but what I was uh-huh. doing is at night. Yep. And they're trying to make it look like it happens at the same time. And what they should have done was had Eiling get the serum, inject himself, bounce away from the Cadmus facility, then show the parade. Look, I'm not a conservative, but honestly, I'd be insulted if I were one watching this episode, since they really make people who fall on that side of the aisle look like Neanderthals. Yeah, Metello's arm gets ripped off, right? Yep. Why does he scream in pain? And uh, Black Manta, I fucking refuse to call him Devil Ray, is there. So next up is Hawk and Dove. When Etrigan destroys that amulet, nobody should be able to use magic again, ever. I don't know. Shit blows up. They get out of the base. What? I don't care. Um... (laughs) Huntry, uh, Huntry, Huntress and Canary make their way to uh, uh, Virgie and Ritual, right? So there's a serious edge, but then the ultimate plan is turning everybody into gorillas, it seems like that should be a comedy episode. Well, this is the last appearance of Dr. Fate, well, so... Well, that's fine. Good riddance. And whilst we're at it, here's something that I clipped that theoretically sounds negative, but please do bear in mind that James is completely wrong in his character assassination of the following hero. I try to remain objective as a clip... Mu- as a respected compiler. But there might be some additional editing in the background reflecting my own views. I don't like the Booster Gold character. I've never I've never liked the Booster Gold character. Uh, so right there, I'm not going to like this episode. Yeah. Can I just veto commenting on this episode? <laughs> Why? I hate this episode. <laughs> oh, okay. I liken him to Stifler from the American Pie movies. I've never seen him, so I don't know. I, well, I only saw the, the first couple. Um, and Stifler is one like the, one of the biggest assholes in the universe, and yet he nothing but good things happen to him. He never learns a lesson. He never gets comeuppance, ever. Yeah, I, I, I hate that character, and I hate Booster Gold. They're very similar. Superman will run! The greatest story never told. How the fuck am I supposed to create this? <laughs> Sorry, James. Let's break the ice with what we can all agree as being good. And Terry gets in the middle of them, and he's all like, Bruce Wayne, Batman. Batman, Bruce Wayne. Or have you met? And they're both like, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, we have the Seven Soldiers of Victory. I mean, the original were Green Arrow, Speedy, Shining Knight, Vigilante... Uh, the Crimson Avenger, Star-Spangled Kid, and Stripesy. This episode would already get a really high grade regardless, but Waller's Rich Boy line is worth at least a point just by itself. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. So we see that Wonder Woman has been turned into a pig. <laughs> Bring them back, that being the ultimate, or I'm calling in the squad to put them down. Fuck yes. And you know that squad with a capital S, her suicide squad. And Darkseid is under a pile of rubble, and he just simply says, Loser. (laughs) After venting a bit, he just says, What next? And Savage simply says, Lunch? And they would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for me meddling with the kids. (laughs) That was a great line. But Waller's assassin, the 
fucking phantasm. At the heart of this episode, question is just the height of awesome. Yeah. Monkey, I like your style. (laughs) Nightwing, hello. Yeah, yeah. So they go to this little hole-in-the-wall barber shop, and uh, Steel says, "Eh, gotta hand it to you, Lex. No one would think to look for you in here. (laughs) So I'm going to admit, I'm actually sad that we didn't get more Hal Jordan in this, because they could have got more story out of it. Gorilla Grodd, who... Yep, <laughs> who wishes to show Luthor his impressive new operation, that being none other than the Legion of Doom. Uh-oh. Okay, <laughs> I have always wanted to bust this one out on WFP, so here it goes. Meanwhile, back at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> nice. Ollie pretty much owns this episode, uh-huh. but then the Canary is great in her own right. I, I like that Grodd's back because I think he's one of the, the stronger characters from the first couple seasons of Justice League. Uh, I think Powers Booth did a fantastic job voicing him, so I'm, all, I'm glad to have him back. What do you think? I love this episode. <laughs> How can you not love this episode? <laughs> I know. This is so much fun. So she starts to fly away, and he's like, yeah, come back sometime. I'll let that suit out for you. Burn! <laughs> Speaking of Wonder Woman, that Mongol Wonder Woman fight is goddamned epic. Captain Boomerang is awesome. Yeah. I just I just love that character uh-huh. as far as the DCAU goes. Yeah. You want a dark episode, I give you ancient history. When it is all done, it is not Brainiac in this device, but it is Dark Side. Uh-oh. And she's like, oh, what did you get him? And he's like, cash. <laughs> Sonar's in the background. He's like, Chickapalooza. <laughs> and then Luthor, Luthor gives him the people's eyebrow. This in comedic 1980s movie fashion causes the Flash's brain to be swapped with Lex Luthor's brain. How can anybody not like this episode? You would have to be a hardcore Flash hater to not like this episode, I think. There's a moment in here when he's trying to pull the plant off of Superman where he calls him Clark. Yes. He never calls him Clark. Ever. I think it should be noted that his son, Edgar, grows up to become one of the brain trust in Batman Beyond, the albino psychic guy. Oh, is that him? Yep. Holy shit, God. Totally agree. This episode is awesome. I love most uh, mostly that it's told from the perspective of Task Force X instead of from the hero's perspective. They will be devoured by some horrible beast, <laughs> but it turns out to be none other than Etrigan as a fire-breathing baby. <laughs> The Shadow Thief breaks Green Lantern's arm. Yeah. And, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. The script in the second half of this episode is just awesome. And instead, they go to just some, like, run-down building. It's like an old factory. Um, it's uh, Hamilton Hill High School. Is that what it was? Oh, that's right. There were lockers. I should have picked up on that. Okay. I love Shayura's reaction to the anti-Hawk Girl forums. The Kitty Leaguers uh, yeah. defeat. Defeat the robots. Come on, Young Justice. Young Justice. Uh, Zatanna says, in regular speak, she says, all is lost. Faust sits on the throne of hell. Oh, wow. The Adam's like, I told you we'd stop. And what does Lex say? We? The bitey metal piranhas? You know, like I said, it's so stupid and silly that it has to be from the Silver Age. Yep. Green Lantern, John, <laughs> fate, like, time shifts into hell fucking Jordan. So the episode loses a point right there from me. Uh, so Huntress and Stuper, uh, Stuper, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Superman! I think it's a Daffy Duck uh, thing. Yeah. Anyway, then the question walks up. Woo! Shuffles is all like, you know what? Fine, I'll be running this joint in. Oh, God. And a giant meteor comes down and obliterates the dinosaurs and chuckles. Uh, so what were you thinking of Flashpoint here? 
I don't have a single note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. one. I've got three. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this episode at all. Mm-hmm. Not a damn thing. If you don't do this entire synopsis in rhyme, you are so fired. I like what they were doing with Doomsday here, and I hate the Doomsday character. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's a terrible character. But you know, from killing Milo, thank you. To yes! <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Milo's in this episode minus one. Doomsday kills him plus two. Something called M's dress yeah. is on David's stuff to steal. Yeah. And considering his last name, I have to think that's a reference to Monica Lewinsky. Oh my God, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Not only is his building lead lines so Superman can't see through it, he's made it so Batman can't scale it. Eventually, Jonah Hex is like, I reckon you folks are time travelers. And, the, and Batman's like, why do you suspect that? And what does he say? I've lived a weird life or something like that. <laughs> I miss Commander Talek. I miss being able to think without pain. I legit felt bad for the guy. Yeah, you do. You do, don't you? I really did. Without saying a word, they told, they showed us how Waller knows Batman's identity. Hugo Strange is at the Cadmus table. I disagree with Arrow, but I think it was uh, cool that they actually kind of threw that debate in there. Something else I like about this one, which I've never noticed before, is how these teams are paired up. Huntress and Green Arrow are both archers, and the Question and Canary are both really good fighters. Quick cut uh, to the theme song. That was one of the best that they have ever done, where the hand just grabs the dude, oh, and it's just yeah. like... Doop. I liked seeing this Calabac, because my understanding is he is supposed to be a big badass. They're trying to get answers from him, uh, and he's he's just like, fuck you, I'm going to kill you. No, I'm really going to kill you. Uh, did I mention that I'm going to kill you? And, uh, look, he just says, all you need to know is I will get out of this, and I will kill you. They're all about to go toe-to-toe with the Jokers when Warhawk looks over at Green Lantern, and he goes, Dad? Cliffhanger! Smith is giving Tobias Manning the last of the Mohicans treatment, like oh, cutting his yeah, heart out. yeah, yeah. Holy shit. My real name is Katar Hall, and you and I are the reincarnations of lovers who died here millions of years ago. And uh, you can call me Hawkman. (laughs) (laughs) I love that she just starts laughing at him. What Superman says is, me, I feel like I live in a world of cardboard. Having to be careful with everybody and everything, being afraid that I'm going to crush it. But he's like, you, you can take it, big guy. Booster Gold step, steps on the Justice League teleporter, and he's like, energize! And the technician who runs it is just like, doofus. Brainiac has taken over Luthor's body. Oh! And yes, we get the legendary JLU scene of Batman on stage singing Am I Blue? And let's note some continuity as well. We see the Kid Flash costume, you not in continuity Did you notice what design the water bottle in the dorm room had on it? No. It was a red X symbol. Was it? Yes. <laughs> well, not not any other kind of X. It was a clear Teen Titans red X symbol. Very interesting, because on the table there was also uh, Wicked Scary, the DVD from uh-huh. Teen Titans. Um, so two two connections there. Who, who was that second one you mentioned? Speedy. Suck it. <laughs> he had sex with a witch. <laughs> well, hey. This is a little more continuity. As Kid Flash, who did he hook up with? Jinx. Jinx. He has a thing for witches. Mm-hmm. Ah, good times. So now I'll leave you with the two highlights of all of my clips montages gleaned from both shows. 
starting with the depravity. Hawk Girl Flash and John. I just, I heard Hawk Girl Flash is John. Supergirl was cloned, and that the girl Galatea is a li- just a little older than Karen, uh, more powerful than her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not we'll saying make all nothing. the. I like Big Barda. I like her design, and not just because her tits are hanging out half the time. Where are we going? <laughs> and she's like, please stop asking so many questions. <laughs> so Black Canary's in the background, and she's like, I'm sorry, but you. <laughs> this bush of awesomeness. I kind of lost that there. <laughs> this bush of awesomeness. <laughs> All the times that she falls on her ass, they always have something blocking the view of her crotch. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, it's Parasite for some reason. Because he's pink? Huh? Huh? Good God. <laughs> oh, yeah, I fucked him. Yeah, me too. He's got a big dick. There, there's none <laughs> of that, but it's it's like, you know, they're flat out saying that sexual relationships have gone on. King Gustav was clearly banging the chamber uh, chambermaid. Oh, absolutely. That was great. They took great care in animating her breasts for a few seconds. Um, go back and watch that. And I'm not saying that to be perverted. Just trust me, go back and watch it. And her breasts are a lot curvier. There's even an extra line or two. She doesn't put that drive in one of her little pouches. She puts it right down her panties. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Flash mounts him. I'm not inserting a joke there. And he starts vibrating one fist. There's your joke. He starts vibrating the other fist. There's another joke. And he just starts pummeling Luthor in the chest. I think it was Green Lantern collapsed right into Wonder Woman's breasts when he... <laughs> yeah. Unconscious. Real quickly, if you pay attention, you'll notice that Superman's underwear rides up the way it would. John's has two creases, implying two butt cracks, implying three butt cheeks. Bruce's DNA, which was easy enough to get. He left it all over town. <laughs> Must be what I meant. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that part. We get a Deimos upskirt as he falls to his death, by the way. Light ray flies up on them and slaps Diana on the ass. <laughs> Batman kind of scoops some Bukaki up off the ground, and he's like, this was too easy. Uh, Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hot girl. <laughs> but speaking of hot girl, did she imply that Flash is too fast in bed? Oh, she more than implied. <laughs> if the animal is sentient, is it still bestiality? What does skeet mean? I don't know. Uh, jizz. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that, really? <laughs> yes. And um, what did Skeets go into? <laughs> a big black, a black hole. <laughs> yes, Skeets went into bl- a black hole. <laughs> and Wonder Woman's like, okay, it's decided. We'll break him out at dawn. And Green Lantern just smirks at Batman like, dude, you are so pussy whipped. And Batman just stares <laughs> at him like, shut the fuck up, man. Hawkgirl was not wearing pants in one scene. Oh, I didn't notice that, really. So Batman has snogged two cat women, and one of them is actually a cat. Oh, the other one was temporarily a cat, too. Oh, my God. He has a furry fetish. <laughs> and he's like, Mario, are you crazy? Do you know what I could do to you with this ring? And she's like, promises, promises. <laughs> yes, I know. Does the power ring double as a dildo? Hey, anything you want it to do, it can do. The Atom has the like one of the best moments in the DCAU ever. Riding in Wonder Woman's cleavage. So, what are you wearing? <laughs> a blue fedora? Or a fedora? Blue overcoat? <laughs> you suck at this. <laughs> Huntress tries phone sex. It should be noted that Luthor is buck-ass naked. <laughs> yep. Then the uh, flirt meter reaches critical mass. Flirt and... meter? It's the, the night after meter. Okay, 
I mean, they flat out say they had sex. I'd love to see your stone. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Wow. He's got gashes in his face, even more than he did before. No, 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 no. He wanted a gash in his face. You know? Is that the crudest thing I've ever said on this show? <laughs> I don't. I don't really know, but you know, you'd think I'd be used to it at this point. <laughs> but alas, you managed to one up yourself, sir. And not last, and not least, the impressions. Oh, uh, you've got it coming now, Mister. You, you've got now. You got to deal with the Crimson Avenger and my ex sidekick, ex partner. Yeah, Speedy. We got to do this now. Oh my God, Grundy's absorbing my ultra godlike power. How's he doing that, Amazo? Shifty eyes, shifty eyes. I don't know. I'm running away. James, you're (laughs) off your meds again. (laughs) But I'll take care of you. And your son, too. No problem at all, baby. (laughs) Don't ever do that voice again. (laughs) Uh, Which automatically means I'm going to do it again. The little plastic tips at the end of your shoelaces. They're called aglets, and their true purpose is sinister. Sinister. (laughs) (laughs) Fluoridated toothpaste does not prevent tooth decay, but it does render you detectable by spy satellite. (laughs) Oh, you've rescued uh, Calibac. Oh, Oh, you want to go a couple rounds then, mate? We're breaking out my girlfriend's boyfriend. I'll do anything for her, even break her boyfriend out of jail. I want things the way they were. (laughs) uh, Stop that. (laughs) You dare to strike... You dare to strike back! Stop it! Oh no! And then she gets crushed by a piano. Why did you try to kill Aquaman? Gee, I don't know, because somebody paid me to do yeah. it. Dumbass. Yeah. I ate dinner with two women at the same time. Because I'm, I'm a stud. And what's wrong with the way I dress? Uh, you want to <laughs> take that? Oh no, you burnt my library. They have it under control. If perhaps you could be more specific. She can hit you with her eyes! I'm Ophir. That crystal's, that crystal, it's really purple, but we'll call it black. Baby, it's the wild goose chase again. <laughs> Concentrate on us, baby. Together we can rule this world. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Hi, Ian. And hello to you, James. I'm sure the fact you were doing a number of questionable racial impressions is merely coincidence. No, I thought the best clip to end on was the one that chronologically ended the DCAU. So, until the next episode, when I have another of these bloody things to compile, I leave you with the end of the epilogue. So, Terry flies off uh, in the bat suit, and our last image of the DCAU, much like our first one, is Batman flying by a police aircraft, and one of them asking, Did you see that? Okay, so first off, of course we got to say thank you to Ian for putting that all together, because I know the very limited amount of time he actually had to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, He had confessed that he kind of forgot to take notes during the Justice League era. So he had to go back and listen to episodes 68 through 77 all over again. Oh, Jesus. To to, to make that segment. So as always, Ian, thank you for doing that. Yes, Ian. Um, Thank you so much. Especially during the little window that you had. And then still finding the time to record that Dark Knight, that very long Dark Knight review with us. Because, uh, of course, keep in mind, Ian is six hours ahead of me, five hours ahead of James. So we start recording at, when do we start recording? Two in the afternoon? Yeah. So it's eight in the evening for Ian. You know, we start at eight and end at two 
two thirty in the morning. His yeah, time. pretty much two thirty in the morning. His time. So, yeah, always, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, what I learned from that clip montage, this particular one, is for one, I say the word awesome entirely too much. And so do I. So do I. Trust me. And I did more impersonations during the Justice League era than <laughs> any other era. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm proud of this. <laughs> I'm more fear. <laughs> Let's get the uh, the black crystal that's really purple. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Before these snake creatures block up the sun or something. Hey, as long as you don't do Tala, I'm fine. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you wait, sir. Just you wait. Yeah, I know. I know. That means you're gonna. But uh, anyways, of course, it, it is time for us to. Uh, look back at Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Now, how do you want to do this? Because we've done two shows in a retrospective before, that being the Static, Zeta, and the, the, the Flash Tunes, too. So technically three, more specifically, four shows in one retrospective. But this is really, it's one, but it's two, because they're so different. They're different in theme. They're different in the way they're produced, from going to two to three episode stories to, generally speaking, one episode stories. Stories. Yeah. Um, granted, in Justice League Unlimited, there was the entire season that was the uh, Cadmus arc, you know, but there were one and dones that fed into the bigger thing for the most part. So, do you want to talk about both these as a whole together, or sp- start talking about Justice League and then transition our way into Justice League Unlimited? It's your call. Um, why don't we just start with Justice League? Okay. Um, let me start out by saying that what Ian pointed out in his uh, clip segment was absolutely right. I really do think that we went into Justice League with the rosiest of rose-tinted glasses on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were really remembering, you know, the savage times, the the twilights, the the, the hereafter. Star-crossed. Star-crossed, comfort and joy. You know, all these episodes we gave eight or mores to. And I think we were also remembering a lot of what happened in Justice League Unlimited. Uh, we were allowing that to color our opinion of Justice League before we got back into it and really started examining it. So I do wonder if when we started watching Justice League and it didn't live up to this ultra hype that we ourselves put on it, if that actually brought it down some for us. Like some of these scores should be bumped up a point or two, um, if only because we were punishing it for it not being JLU. You understand what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's just kind of my initial thought about the Justice League. What about you? Um, I totally agree, and I think it's extremely funny that – uh, not counting Secret Origins, and this is, I'm going on my grades here for what I gave the first ten episodes of mm-hmm. uh, Justice League. I gave a different score to every single one. Um, I, I gave a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, a six, a seven, an eight, a nine, and a, t- uh, <laughs> and a ten. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, it's just crazy. <laughs> Actually, I should say the first eleven episodes. Since the, yeah, was, the first yeah, ten was Savage Time, but still, I mean, that's that just shows how wacky that first season was mm-hmm. it, it was just all over the place and that was certainly not what i was expecting no i mean i knew there'd be i mean we you know we had said oh we i doubt there's anything below an eight or probably a nine you well, know besides war world i think <laughs> I, I had always remembered how shitty war world was <laughs> but uh 
you know, I think we still knew there'd be some that were average in there at best, you know, but I really didn't think we expected or had really remembered stuff like In Blackest Night, um, The Brave and the Bold. I really don't know if I remembered much about War World beforehand. Had I even seen War World beforehand? Yeah, I had, I think. Maybe? I don't know. Um, you know, we we just we just pretty much blocked those out of our minds. Um, and it really was a shock to discover that Justice League was nowhere near as good as uh, we had thought it was. <laughs> um, now, granted, I mean, it really, after, uh, when Savage Time hit, it really started to hit its stride. For it the did. Most yeah, I mean, I'll, for the people that don't have an episode list in front of them, I'll run through this. Uh, after Savage Time, it goes Twilight, Tabula Rasa, Only a Dream, Maid of Honor, uh, Hearts and Minds, A Better World, Eclipse, The Terror Beyond, Secret Society, Here After Wilds Cards, Comfort and Joy, and Starcrossed. And we're looking at tens, eights, sevens. A seven's a respectable grade. Rem you know, guys, always remember that on Earth, on Earth and at the show, on World's Finest Podcast, we're grading on this 10-point scale. A 5, that means something is perfectly average. You know, I know other sites, if anything's less than a 7, that means it's bad. That's not how it works on this show. So don't think a seven's a bad grade. Um, you know, there, there's some really great stuff. And then when we get to the end, you know, here after Wild Cards, Comfort and Joy is star-crossed, I gave all four of those 10s. You did give Comfort and Joy an 8, um, but that's fine. So you gave 10, 10, 8, 10. Those last four stories were just like spot on perfect or near perfect. Um, so yeah, what you were saying there after the Savage Time, they figured out what they were doing wrong with the show before that, and they did everything they could to correct it, barring you know some that were kind of poopy in there, you know, yeah, yeah. because there's comes to mind and yeah, eclipse, <laughs> yeah, there, there were one or two, and mind you, the Terror Beyond, you gave a six, I gave a three, I wasn't so keen on that one. Um, so, no, they definitely weren't perfect, but they, they really did start to learn from their mistakes. And I do think that helped them greatly by the time they got to Justice League Unlimited. Um, and they really knew how to do a team show by that point. Yeah, and something else uh, along these lines, for me at least, um, there were episodes of Justice League that I remember loving when I first watched them, but... Upon looking at them analytically, I found that I just was like, meh, or I outright hated them. And the biggest example of this was Metamorphosis. I remember when I first saw that back in 04, I guess is when it first aired, uh, I really liked it. I thought the action was really cool and, uh, uh, you know, just stuff like that, basically. Uh, and you look at it in depth and you see this ridiculous storyline with this with the, the stupidness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that was that episode, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you stupid. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, there's that and the creepy stag doting on his daughter stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, this is bad. Yeah, that was kind of a shock to the system, too. Now, granted, I mean, I'm looking at the, our spreadsheet here, and, um, you know, our average scores were 6.4 for me and 6.1 for you, so right. that's a 6.26, but, you know, that's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's definitely not, but it's definitely lower than what we were expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, I really thought the average for Justice League would probably be a low 8. 
uh, maybe a high seven. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the show was still good. It was still enjoyable. And even the worst episodes, like, wasn't Warworld the one where I did that completely, like, stoner? That was the birth of Stoner Mike. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I should have been fucking high to synopsize that one, you know? Um, just had the, had the channel of Stoner to, to do that one. <laughs> but, I mean, even the really shitty ones, at least for the most part, I'll say, were enjoyable to just rip apart. We didn't get anything that offended us like, you know, toys in the hood. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, you know, okay, l- let's let's look at Warworld here. Episode 70. We also had Paradise Lost. You gave that a 6, I gave that a 7. And The Brave and the Bold. We both gave that 4s. Now, The Brave and the Bold wasn't a great story. I don't remember what the hell it was about. But the point is, we still give it a slightly below average grade. So, the, the, the other two episodes we reviewed around World War World weren't terrible. You know, so we had sort of this like okay sandwich of episodes with just some really shitty meat in the middle. And I'm looking at our sheet, and that, that's kind of how it always was. You know, look at episode 69. Sure, in Blackest Night, you gave a three, I gave a two, but we had to end me below a seven and a six, Injustice for All, an eight and a seven. I gotta tell you, on a better day, I might have given Injustice for All uh, a nine, but. And I, that's actually not going to be one of the ones I, I'm going to look back on uh, at the end of our episode here today. But uh, that's one of my personal favorites that I can just pop in and watch every time because of, you know, Batman and the Joker and all the other shit that's going on. Luthor losing his mind, basically, oh, yeah. over how, how – just arguing with these other supervillains. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, th- that's what really counts uh, throughout this. You know, did we have fun? You know, there's some episodes we reviewed that we just did not have fun. We didn't have fun ripping apart. We didn't uh, have any sort of enjoyment with it. But sometimes things were so bad, we just had to enjoy it, you know? (laughs) Um, And and I really do feel that, for the most part, we did uh, with the bad stuff during Justice League. Mm -hmm. What do you want to talk about? What else do you want to talk about with the Justice League here? Do you have a... a one favorite episode, and I you can count the three. I would say count the three parters in with this. Uh, do you have a favorite? You know what? I think this is going to surprise people, but I th- now I, I haven't rewatched it since we graded it. But I might have to go with Comfort and Joy. Hmm. Interesting. Um, that was just it was just a sweet episode. That's all it really was because that was a Christmas one, right? Yep, that was the buffer between Wild Cards and uh, Starcrossed. Right, yeah. Um, and it was just a nice, quiet look at most of the Justice League. We didn't get Batman. I think he was on monitor duty or something. Uh, it wouldn't have made sense to put Wonder Woman in there. So she was out. But we got some development uh, between John and Shaira. The Flash Ultra Humanite stuff was so great. We got the poopy duck, you know. <laughs> um the, the stuff with Superman and John, with the Kents, you know, everything John's going through, feeling alienated. And then at the end of the episode, realizing that he'll probably never connect with humans in the same way his fellow alien Clark Kent has. But he still can connect with some of them. Um, and he has accepted Earth as his home. Um, it's just... It's just a sad in a good way kind of episode. Um, 
So I think I'm going to go with that one. I mean, yes, Starcross has some great action, really deep gut you moments. Um, you know, gentlemen, it's been an honor. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the quieter episode. Um, what about you? What's your absolute favorite of the Justice League era? For me, it's, it comes down to Savage Time and Starcrossed. And I have to give the slight edge to Starcrossed because it changed the, the landscape of the Justice League forever. And it has too many epic and or badass moments to count. And as much as I love the Savage Time, and I do because, for one, I'm a World War II uh, history buff, and I, it's got that moment where you, where the generals at the very end are just like, so who's going to lead us now, Herr General? And they go and they see the cryogenically frozen Adolf Hitler in there. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but honestly, with just how gut wrenching Starcrossed is, I have to give the the edge to it. Yeah. And uh, I guess number th- since Savage Time would. Uh, logically be number two there my i guess my third after that would uh probably be wild cards because okay. it's you know it's the the last we see of the joker uh, at least in uh at least in terms of present time not counting yet return of the joker uh not uh, not chronologically but um yeah it's the last we get to see of uh you know mark hamill's joker and it's such a great story with really nothing wrong with it. We both gave it 10, so obviously yeah. there wasn't really anything overly wrong with it. And mm. it's got, it introduced us to the awesome ace character. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's got, you know, finally, finally Green Lantern and Shaira uh, <laughs> get together. It's and, about uh, time. <laughs> exactly. So those would be my top three, I would have to say. Um,. Yeah, let me do a top three. Obviously, I said Star, or, uh, Comfort and Joy would be at the top. Um, w- remind me again, what was Hereafter? Oh, Hereafter was where Superman is killed by Toy Man. Suppose, you know, quote-unquote killed. And, and then they bring Lobo in, right? Yeah. Oh, man, this is... Shoot. I th- Okay, Comfort and Joy, Starcross because of, as what you were saying, how important it is, you know? Um, because after that, we get a new satellite, um, we lose Hawkgirl, and then eventually, of course, she comes back. Um, it's the end of the Green Lantern-Hawkgirl relationship. Um, you know, there's the great moment with Batman piloting the the, the, the Watchtower into the Earth. Uh, to, you know, thinks he's going to kill himself to save everybody. Um, just some really good emotional beats and some great action beats in there, too. Um, so, yes, that would be my number two and man, I think I am. I, I'm gonna go with the Savage Time. I'm gonna. Hereafter is really good. Wild Cards is really good. But the Savage. I mean, it's it's got time travel for one. I'm a mark for time travel. Um, I think Obviously. the anim- yeah. I think the animation's great. Um, I love seeing John without his ring. You know, just having to be a soldier, reminding us that he is a marine. Um, uh, we get we get the Blackhawks, we get Sergeant Rock, um, Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage, right? It's it's a nice tour of, and this is something Tom DJ has said before, like in the Justice League Unlimited era, that was a nice tour of like every last thing they wanted to cover, they tried to cover, you know. And we in that era, we got to go into the future and see the Legion of Superheroes, and I like with 
the Savage Time, we got to go into the past and we got to see the World War II heroes. Um, uh, we got Steve Trevor, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, his relationship with Wonder Woman. So, yeah, definitely Comfort and Joy, Star Cross, Savage Time. That would be my top three. Um, now, for both of us, War World would be bottom three. Yeah. For would... the Justice League era. Uh, what would you put above those, but still in your bottom three? Um, well, if I'm going by grades, uh, next would have to be Metamorphosis, because mm-hmm. uh, we both gave that two. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that one just, and it's like I said a few minutes ago, that, that episode just disappointed me so badly, because I really do remember enjoying that, mainly for the action, I admit it, but um, yeah, that's definitely the second worst. Third worst, this is where it gets kind of tricky, because... <laughs> Uh, it, it really it comes down to two Green Lantern episodes for me, uh, the you know in Blackest Night and Hearts and Minds. Really, both in my mind are equally boring and just overall unenjoyable. Um, but I guess I'm gonna give the nod, quote unquote, <laughs> to um, Hearts and Minds, uh, even though I graded. No, you know what? I take that back. I'm gonna go with in Blackest Night. Uh, and I may have something else to say about this later. So yeah, those those would be my bottom three. War World, of course, is the, the shittiest of the shitty here. And then Metamorphosis, then in Blackest Night. I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to. At the bottom, it's going to be War World. Above that, so, okay, so the worst is War World. The second to worst, I'm going to do... Um, uh, uh, I just lost it. I'm looking at the Terror Beyond. Um, and I, I too will have something to say about that later on. And then in Blackest Night, above that. And that is weird because in Blackest Night I gave a two and the Terror Beyond I gave a three. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just the order I want to do it in. I can't, <laughs> I can't really justify That's your, it. That's your right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I mean, in Blackest Night, there was a lot of shit that didn't make sense, but really, that one boiled down to, again, looking back, having not watched that episode again, having not listened to episode 69 again, I'm thinking that one really boiled down to the fact that it was just fucking boring, yep. where, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say hereafter, I know that's wrong, the, the Terror Beyond, that one, you know, they were really building up this Shaira Solomon Grundy relationship and they did a really good job with that but it's just like it's all crammed in to like the last like couple of minutes of this needlessly long two-part episode you know um so that's why that one even though i really do like the shayira Solomon grundy stuff i can't tell you how much i like that stuff is actually going to go below blackest night for me but still above uh war world now, here's something I want to ask you. Uh, being specific to Justice League, not Justice League Unlimited, what are some characters you would have liked to have seen pop up in Justice League? Now, the reason I'm like having a stick to this show is because once we get over to Justice League Unlimited and we really start to get into the Cadmus arc, yeah. there are certain characters you just can't bring in. You know, so what are who are some characters you would like to see would like to have seen in Justice League? Um, I I've said this several times. I wish Rachel Ghoul could have could have had an appearance because he does present. He is 
clearly a threat to the entire world. So that it, it would take the Justice League possibly to take him down. So I, I really, really wish they could have gotten him in there somehow. Um, even if it was just some kind of adaptation of Tower of Babel, you know, even if they just do that, even if they don't come up with some, you know, unique story, I, I would have loved to have seen him in there. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else off the top of my head, uh, hero or villain. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more Zata- uh, Zatanna. I mean, I, we, she, we get her in a great episode, but in, uh, Justice League Unlimited, but really, I think, I, I, she's one of my favorite DC characters just overall, so I, I, you know, anytime they could get her into the show, I would, I would mark for it. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I'm sure when you start naming yours, I will remember some. Number one for me, and we've been asked this before, and I really don't think I've either of us really have thought of this character before, but how awesome would it have been to have the Justice League go up against Mr. Mixie's Pitalik? <laughs> um, nice. And nice, each nice character one. could have had their own little imp to go up against. You know, so not only do we get Superman going up against Mixie, but Hawk Girl's got her own. We could get Batmite for yeah. Batman, you know. I mean, granted, there was an, an, a nod to Batmite way back in BTAS. There was, wasn't there like a little robot in that one workshop that was supposed yeah. to be Batmite? Um, so it'd be a little weird to have had that and then an imp that just happened to look the same, but whatever. They could have done it. Um, but even even if they didn't do that, they just had Mixie go up against the Justice League. That would have been so much fun to see how each of them reacted to Mixie. Because Superman, he's really good-natured, you know? But he can't stand this fucking thing, you know? <laughs> now imagine someone like Jon Stewart, who's got to stick up his ass all the time, trying to deal with this fun-loving, fun, love, fun loving but somewhat mean-spirited imp, you know? <laughs> you know what? I bet The Flash would have been the one to outsmart him, too. If yeah. they did a Mixy episode, the Flash would have fallen in love with one of these guys or just Mixy himself, you know, and it would have been so cool if the Flash, who, let's be honest, is kind of, <laughs> he's not the brightest member of the Justice League, you know, he had his moments, he could be really smart, um, and we actually saw that in, um, what was that, A Better World, how he flatlined himself by speeding up his heart to trick their Batman, right. yeah. you know, so yeah, he could be smart. But, uh, yeah, it would have been cool if, like, he beat Mixie, and Mixie's like, damn it, I got beat by the dumbest one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or what would have been kind of cool is if uh, the episode starts with Superman defeating Mixie. Mixie goes back to the, where's he from, the fifth dimension? Uh, Yeah, I think think so, yeah. He's pissed off, he's grumbling, and his girlfriend gets pissed off and goes after the League. She's like, fine, I'm going to take him down, sort of like Harley did for the Joker in Mad Love. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring them down so Mixie will pay attention to me. You know, they could have done something like that. Um, and then, of course, the Flash would fall. See, it's a Flash episode to me. Yeah, he falls in love with Gispet Lesnes. Exactly. <laughs> I can't believe I remember her name. <laughs> I can't believe you did either. That was amazing. <laughs> um, you know, he falls for her or whatever. And then, I don't know, somehow... They end up defeating her, and she goes back, and now she's all pissed that, you know, she couldn't defeat the League. You know, I don't know. There, there was so, so much fun they could have done with, with that stupid little imp. Um, I don't know how they could have made this an episode that went beyond Batman, but 
Bane would have been potentially interesting. Yes, please. But, but, I mean, really, how do you do Bane against the Justice League? Yes, Bane is a great tactician. And, you know, he could have set up all these uh, uh, traps or whatever for the Justice League, especially in these two-parters. They had enough time to do that. But I just don't know what kind of story they ultimately could have done with him. What would have been his big goal? You know what I'm saying? I guess they could have they could have kind of at, adapted Nightfall or at least parts of it to like he let's say he figures out who Batman is and and he figures out who Superman is. So there you've got the two you know the two big guys of the Justice League there and he figures out who each of them are and and of course that's going to lead to him having to be incapacitated in some way possibly but who knows maybe they could just they could do something like that cuz there you go there's your real threat. Yeah. We got somebody as intelligent as and strong as Bane, knowing who Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent are. Exactly. I'm trying to think who else I would have liked to have seen, like maybe a hero they could have brought in. Um, and off the top of my Nightwing. head, I don't know. Well, definitely Nightwing. You know, um, always Nightwing. You know. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look over at my lovely fiance as I say this. Oh, she disappeared. I don't know where she went to. But of course, I love me some dick. And now she's gonna be like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get it into the into the podcast one more, one more time <laughs> for old time's sake. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it would it would have definitely been cool to have seen um, uh, Nightwing pop up in some capacity um even if it was just on a monitor like batman is on a mission you know um on a mission with the league and he's worrying about gotham and he checks in with nightwing who's keeping watch over the city while batman's out with the league you know granted i would prefer nightwing to actually be active in one of these justice league stories but even a little cameo a speaking role too not just his little gargoyle impersonation from uh, in what was that episode in JLU? Uh, what which, which one are you saying again? In in, in in Justice League Unlimited, what's the one where he was like on top of the bridge? Grudge match, grudge match. That's yeah, the one. That's right. Yeah. yeah, you know, so not something like that, but actually some sort of speaking role. But you know, any any Dick Grayson would have would have been good. Yeah. Yep. More Lobo would have been nice, but I'm glad we got him at least one more time. Yeah, and he kind of became a member of the League, so yeah. <laughs> didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I mean, what else do you want to say about Justice League here? I think we've said a lot, uh, really everything, at least everything I can think of to say. We've you know we've gone over some favorite and not-so-favorite episodes and uh, characters and how... I, I think what it all boils down to really is how... Overall, the average grade isn't nearly what we'd expected it to be, but I think it really is a tale of two halves because the second half is just so much better than the first half. And, you know, if you're going to have one half be meh and one half be really great, at least the second half was the one that was really good. Yeah. Um, And I don't want people thinking that we're not going to talk about the voice actors, but considering the cast stays on through Justice League Unlimited – I think here is where we'll talk about the, the voice actors. Sure. Um, so, yeah, let's just get right into Justice League Unlimited. Um, overall, you gave this a 7.6. I give it a 7.5 for a 7.55. This is more in line with what we thought we'd get with Justice League. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let, let's look at the first five episodes. Uh, initiation, we both gave sevens. For the man who has everything, we both gave nines. Kid stuff, we both gave eights. Hawk and Dove, you gave a three, I gave a four. This little piggy, you gave an eight, I gave a nine. Now let's even go beyond that. Fearful Symmetry, you gave a ten, I gave a ten. The greatest story ever told, five and six. Not great scores, but average. So, so okay, you know. The Return, eight and eight. Ultimatum, ten and eight. Darkheart, five and eight. So in those first ten episodes that we covered there... We're talking really solid scores. So, as I said before, they really did look at how they screwed up with Justice League, and they honestly learned from their mistakes, and they started out on the absolute right foot with uh, initiation and then moving into the For the Man Who Is Everything and then going into kid stuff. And, yeah, they stumbled with Hawk and Dove, but they picked it back up with this little piggy and fearful symmetry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th- there were some other ones in there that weren't necessarily great. Um, the Clash, you know, we both gave threes. Chaos at the Earth's Core, you give a two, I give a four. Um, and then after that, like Patriot Act, six and a five. And Grudge Match is six and a seven. Far From Home, six and six. But everything around there is still really solid. You know, again, nines, sevens, and then tens. I mean, hell, just look at the... Look at episode 95, which was the last of the Cadmus arc. We have combined between us seven tens out of, in five episodes. Then oh, we have you're a, right, we do. A nine, an eight, and a seven. Seven yeah. is the lowest grade that any, any, either of us gave any of those episodes. That's absolutely true. Wow. Yeah, because, hang on, I'm, I'm going to scroll back up to the Justice League here. Yeah, I gave, I gave four tens in a row between 76 and 77, but in episode 95, I gave four tens. So that's not even split over two episodes, you know. Um, and as you said, you gave three tens with a nine and an eight thrown in there. So, yeah. So what are you thinking about Justice League Unlimited? How the show changed? How the universe, the DC animated universe that is, evolved? Um, uh, how um, the production changed, going from mostly two-parters down to one-parters? Just whatever's on your mind. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, how it, they just kind of went to one-parters. Uh, it was pretty interesting, and I was—I I remember when I first started watching JLU, I was a little disappointed that they weren't going to be two-parters anymore because I was really enjoying that aspect of it for the most part. Yeah, we had some crappy episodes of uh, Justice League where it was like, where, where both of us are saying, "Why was this two episodes?" <laughs> but overall, I think they were able to fill those two-parters pretty well. And I really enjoyed that format, so I was a little shocked that they went back to the to the one part stuff. That said, it's Justice League Unlimited was, like you said, it was everything we wanted the entirety of Justice League to be. The animation was crisp and awesome to look at. the The Cadmus arc was just a thing of beauty, and they they pulled it off. Damn near perfectly. So overall thoughts, I, I this is JLU is what Justice League is meant to be. I got so used to Justice League Unlimited, and for the most part, they're one parters. That when it came time to recreate some episodes from Justice League, I forgot that they were two parters. <laughs> <laughs> so like the time I had banked to watch them, it it obviously grew because I was like, oh shit. 
I, I, I don't have to watch one episode. I have to watch two, you know? Um, and that happened to a couple of those stories. So, yeah, um, I, I really got used to what Justice League Unlimited was doing, uh, you know, really boiling their stories down and hitting the, 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 the core beats that they needed to hit um, and not spreading them out over two or, in some cases, three episodes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know... You know, I'm going to struggle here with, with what to say about uh, JLU. I guess I'll focus on the way they expanded the universe. This is what I enjoyed most about Justice League Unlimited. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I did enjoy Justice League, and I thought they did the right thing, starting out with the Core 7 and then moving on to Justice League Unlimited and then building it up from there, showing you how many superheroes there really are. And, you know, no, we didn't get an Aztec-centric episode, but he was there. We saw him. No, we didn't get a, I don't know, a vibe-centric episode, but he's still hanging around the background. So no matter who your favorite character is in the Justice League, you know, like let's say from the comics, chances are they made a cameo, and some of them were lucky enough to get speaking parts. So this series really was like the absolute wet dream of every DC fanboy. I mean, they even found a way to get Hal Jordan in through some wonky time travel and reality bending. You know, um, yeah. they bring Kyle back, didn't they? This was this, or was that last season? No, this season they bring Kyle back with the return. Mm -hmm. Yep, in the return. Yeah. Yep. The John fans, they get their. You know, they, 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 they've got their love because, boom, he's he's the Green Lantern throughout this whole program. The Hale fans get their little bit. I'm a Kyle fan, and the other Kyle fans, we get our little bit. I mean, the, really, the only Green Lantern, at least Earthborn Green Lantern, we don't get is Guy Gardner, which, of course, is sad for me because, of course, I love Guy <laughs> Gardner. But still, I mean, they did everything they can. I mean, they, in, in this little piggy, they bring in fucking Buana Beast. Buana Beast! What the hell is that about? But someone out there is a fan of this guy, and they marked out with that character. And I'm in love with that character now because of the little goofy bit he had, you know, where, where he calls Wonder Woman. What does he say? Did you see a pig? Looking for a pig, kind of stuck up. <laughs> yeah, kind of stuck up. I mean, that is great. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, they, they really did everything they could to make the C-level characters. I mean, I really can't even call some of them B-level characters. Truly C-level characters to bring them up and shine the brightest spotlight on them that they could and make us start to like them. Like, before this series, I really didn't have the time of day for Vigilante or Shiny Knight. And now, yeah. I'm not going to call them favorites of mine, but if I see them in a comic, I'll read the comic, sure, because yeah. of this cartoon. And moreover, when I read their appearances, and this goes to pretty much all of the voice actors, um, I hear, you know, like, like if, if I'm reading a comic with Vigilante, right, I hear Nathan Fillion. If I'm reading a Flash comic, I'm hearing Michael Rosenbaum. Um, as long as it's a Wally Flash comic, obviously, not like mm -hmm. Barry or Bard or anything like that. Um, you know, if I'm... And I know, this, again, this is kind of getting the voice actors, which I don't want to get into just yet. Um, but that just shows you uh, how well these characters were written that, and then voiced, because it's kind of 
this universe has almost become the core universe for me, a longtime comic reading fan, to the point that when I go back to their source material, I'm hearing the voices from here. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how synonymous the DCAU has become to the comic books for me, I guess is what I'm ultimately getting at. I um, couldn't agree more. I, every time I'm reading any DC comic and it's a character that I've you know, watched got you know god knows how many episodes from these shows i will always hear that particular voice actor in my mind as i'm reading the the quote bubbles yeah and 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 of course you know while i'm sitting there sort of talking about uh some characters that gain some stock in my book um i think a certain preston nelson (laughs) uh would would be very angry with us um, and I'd be angry with myself, too, if we didn't mention how awesome the question was. Oh, fuck yes. You know, I mean, I've always loved the question's design from the comic books. But because of the show, I am a fan of the question. And I love the voice actor they got for him. I just lost his, lost his first name. His last name's Coombs or Combs. Jeffrey? Jeffrey? Yeah. Um, I think he's a really good actor, uh, a really good character actor, and a really great voice actor. And he knew what to do. With the question, he knew exactly how to bring that character to life, <laughs> uh, and they knew how to write him. I mean, still one of my favorite scenes with the question is when you know he, he's analyzing that lock, and then he just throws a chair through the window, you know, <laughs> <laughs> while humming that stupid boy band song or whatever it was, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when Huntress, when he and Huntress are stealing the uh, stuff from Cadmus, and uh, oh, yeah. Huntress is in the background beating the crap out of all the security guards, and he's just yeah. getting the information, and then Huntress is like, "All done." He's like, "Nope, not quite." He hurls the chair at the other guy. Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, which, which of course, and I said this when we were talking about him in one of the episodes, reminds you what a good fighter he is. You know, they did a great job showing what a conspiracy buff he is, what a complete lunatic the man is. But he still is a very good fighter. Um, and they, they, they found ways to put that in there. Um, you know, whether it was him not noticing someone that the Huntress had, or yeah, him noticing someone that the Huntress had missed, or just whatever. The question is probably the guy they, the, probably the B or C level character they did the best job elevating. Above anybody else, I really got to say. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, another character that I, I'm not really, you know, overly a, you know, a fan of or anything, but I don't dislike is the Adam, which oh, yeah. who got a couple of pretty good appearances. Um, I don't necessarily dig how he took out the Darkheart, and that was my main gripe with that episode. But his interactions with Luthor and The Return were just brilliantly written. And I I love that episode. We both gave that eights. Uh, but yeah, the, the Adam is another one that could have stood to have a couple more storylines. Yeah, um, I don't know if he could have been like the lead character, no. but definitely could have been a very strong supporting character, uh, like we saw him in the Return. Yeah, hit, um, like just Wonder Woman and Adam. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Adam can write in her, uh, uh, yeah, never mind. (laughs) Again. That's, that's the thrust of the whole series. Where can Wonder Woman stuff the Adam in this episode? You know? (laughs) That'd get taken off the air so quick. Yep. (laughs) But when it comes to the original seven, 
I've made no bones about the fact that my favorite character out of all of them and in the entirety of the DCAU was the Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, and this is all thanks to Michael Rosenbaum. Um, and that's not to say that the writing didn't help, but it really was this actor um, brought so much heart and compassion to Wally West. Wally had his angry moments, but I don't ever recall him ever having like any dark moments, you know? Um, And I think Rosenbaum realized that. I think he understood that at his core, Wally really is always a good, compassionate guy who can be pushed over the edge and can get angry, but he's not going to hold too much of a grudge. He's just going to roll with the punches and come back with a joke and uh, just be the heart and soul of the Justice League. Um, and I think the episode that illustrates that the most, of course, is, uh, what was that, A Better World. Mm-hmm. I know that goes back to Justice League, but, uh, you know, again, we're talking about voice actor, or at least I'm talking about a voice actor here, so we can cover both these programs. Um, uh, and I, I think that's when the viewer starts to realize how much Wally means to the team. I think that's when... I think Rosenbaum knew it beforehand, but I think that's when the production crew probably really started to realize it. Because um, you just start, to, I, I, you know, I have to go back and rewatch it all again, but I think that's when you really start to see more and more of it. Um, what about you? If we're talking about the original seven, besides Batman, who I'm all, I'll always oh, yeah. be a huge fan of, yeah. uh, going, you know, the, the branching out characters, I, I really, really loved Hot Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. From from the start, you've always had a deep affection for her. And what's the actress's name? Maria Canals. That's it. Yeah, you've always had uh, admiration for her. Absolutely, because she has made no bones about it that this was maybe her favorite role that she's ever taken on. Mm-hmm. So much so that when they, you know, not killed her off, but wrote her out of the series there for a, a short time. She cried because she she loved playing that character so much, and she didn't want to stop. She wanted to, she wanted to go on and play that character forever, essentially. Yeah. And that's that's you know, a testament to her because she really took that character and made it her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike Michael Rosenbaum with Wally. Exactly. But no, getting back to what you were saying, and I'm sure this will come up in, in the next episode, in episode 100. But you know. You know, I'm saying that The Flash was my favorite character, but I'm not necessarily saying Michael Rosenbaum was my favorite voice actor in all this. Um, if I'm going to nail down my favorite voice actor throughout all the DCAU, it is someone else. And I, I, like I, said, I will save that for the next episode. Me too. But, you know, in, this, in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited eras of WFP, um, what are some other, who are some other voice actors that really stood out? Um, I think... Now, people, some people don't like uh, George Newbern's uh, take on or portrayal of Superman or mm-hmm. voicing of Superman because they were used to uh, Tim Daly, and I can understand that because they, if you listen closely, they really are very different. Uh, but I think Newbern, though he didn't start off very well in my opinion, really got better and better and better as Justice League progressed and then into JLU. So. Uh, I give him props because he really he improved dramatically in my opinion from when he started in Secret Origins until he got into JLU. But also keep in mind that wasn't entirely his fault. They no, were writing Superman much more stiffly. Mm-hmm. Stiffly? Stiffer you know what I mean. Back <laughs> then. To the point where in a better world, didn't they even make a joke about that? Well, but, yeah, with the robot were... Superman or something? Yeah, exactly. 
uh, by having them just be all like, drink your milk, you know, brush your teeth, you know, just being like, yeah, we kind of made him robotic, sorry. Um, so I think he was trying to get a grasp on the character, but he wasn't helped by the dialogue he was given all the same. But I, I agree. I think he did really did, really did a good job as Superman and did grow into the role that by the time this series ended, um, his voice is the voice of Superman for, uh, for, for a certain generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not to say he's uh, my voice as Superman. Um, but I, I do think there is a certain generation that, that will hear his voice when they're reading comics, so they'll always compare other Superman voice actors to him. Um, let's see. Even though I always said, you know, John had a stick up his ass and this and that, I, I do think his voice actor, and what's his name? The guy who did Green Lantern? Uh, Philomar. I think he did a really good job playing the hard ass. Um, and keep in mind, he's also played... You know, static and other characters in this in this universe too. Who was he in Static? He was Static. <laughs> Green Lantern was Static. Yeah, I don't think I same, knew that. Same voice actor. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Wow. Sorry, I just had to lean back in my chair for a second there. I really don't think <laughs> I, I I knew that. Um. Wow, he has a lot of range then. Yeah, he does. Wow. Okay, but you know that just illustrates what I'm saying here is he can really get into his characters. You know, was I crazy about the Green Lantern character? No. He's a little too gruff for me, a little too rough around the edges. But the voice acting fit that. You know, you believe that's the type of guy he was. Um, And then if we go back to Static, you know, you could believe there that he was a young kid that was excitable, sometimes be a douchebag, and um, sometimes could get really sad, like in the episode where he gets the time travel and meets his mother. So yeah, another wonderful voice actor. Who else? I, another bit character, Black Canary. I like. Gotta. I, I'm gonna give a shout out to her appearances because they were mostly enjoyable. And they, now they weren't like deep episodes by any stretch, but they were. I would say they were all enjoyable, mm-hmm. and I could I could watch them anytime. The you know we got the Mandragora episode, or in your case, Mandragora. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I thought I was beyond that curse. Mm. <laughs> Negatory. Uh, oh. And and uh, and then Grudge Match was. Is just, it's just dumb fun. It's a dumb yeah. fun episode, even yeah. though they all have their lives threatened by an evil Wonder Woman. But still. <laughs> but anyway, my point is the Black Canary episodes. I think were were pretty good. They they were good breaks in between all of the the uh, Cadmus stuff and the the Legion of Doom stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, her voice actor, I, I'm trying to think, it was Morena Bakarin. I think was her name was. Uh, she did a really good job with that character. I I, I enjoyed her her role. You know, of course, Clancy Brown did a great job as Luthor, but he, he's been playing that character since Superman. So, yeah. Um, not going to say too much there. Um, we didn't get a whole hell of a lot of them, but, you know, again, the, the continuation of the voice actor, whoever it was that played Grodd, you know, powers uh, booth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like, I did like his Grodd. Um, Tala was just creepy. Please don't. Do the voice. Um, I also felt that they chose the right voice actors for Aquaman. Um, he had a very um, regal. Oh, you believed that that voice actor was a king. Oh yeah. You know, he had a very kind of commanding voice, a very commanding presence. Um, I also liked um, 
and again, please guys forgive me for, for not knowing all the voice actors' names off the top of my head, but uh, the guy who did uh, um, Green Arrow. <sighs> Why can't I remember it? I can never remember his name when I need to. <laughs> you know, whenever he would get in, like, Batman's face, or not, or just anybody on the League's face, about, no, I am scared of you guys, and I'm one of you. When he was telling Batman off about why he didn't want to be on the team in the beginning. And then at the end, when he, not the end, but after the Cadmus storyline, when he told, when he told, got in Superman's face and said, no, you can quit if you want, but there's still going to be a Justice League. It's not going to end just because you're leaving. You know, you kind of believe his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Indignation. Is that the right word? You know, his attitude, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. His liberal attitude. At the <laughs> oh, Ken Schreiner, voice actor. Okay. I think that's all I have to say about the voice actors, but you please continue. Oh, I'll add the Green Lantern, or Green Lantern, Green yeah. Arrow there. Uh, mm-hmm. In that, I, and I mentioned this maybe twice uh, during our reviews, uh, you know, Green Arrow is not a character I'm a huge fan of just because, you know, of his political nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... But that's more to cre- the credit of this this show that they made me love the character, right? And they wrote they wrote him so well that I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And it, and even though he uh, got into into those kinds of arguments with other leaguers, uh, and I disagree with him still, I can still enjoy the episode and not be like, oh my god, this is so heavy handed because he wasn't he wasn't heavy handed. He wasn't no. like hawk, the hawk and dove episode, right? Yeah. So yeah. that definitely a testament to them that they made me really like the Green Arrow character there. Um, can we move away from the voice actors? Sure. Now for Justice League Unlimited, they brought in so many new characters, heroes and villains. Can we say there's anybody we would have liked to have seen them include? Um, obviously, you know, more of the Joker. That's a given. Yeah. Um, really a lot of the Bat rogues because of the unfortunate Bat embargo. Right. You know, anybody that would be specific to this era, you know, because it is a lot different than Justice League. Um, uh, is there anybody you would like to have seen them brought in? Um, bring I was, you know, I, I actually had thought of another character while we were right after we had, we had gotten uh, we got done discussing our uh, characters we'd like to see in Justice League. Uh, I thought of, you know, Lady Shiva. Oh, yeah. There's a character I would have loved to have seen in, you know, either incarnation of this show. Right. Uh, so I'll throw that in here. <laughs> um, um, let, let ca- th- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say more Captain Marvel instead of that shit episode he was oh, yeah. given. Yeah. Because that's a character I'd like to know more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much at all about Captain Marvel or his rogues other than, you know, you know Black Adam. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I would have liked to see more Captain Marvel. I was going to say the Connell Superboy. And I would have liked to have seen what they did in the comics with him, where, you know, for those of you that don't know this, the Connell Superboy is a clone of Superman that also has human DNA, and that human DNA is Lex Luthor's. <laughs> so this young boy is trying to step out of the shadows of two titans, um, both of whom, in one way or another, are trying to control him. Um, I mean, Superman isn't being overt about wanting to control him, but he wants to make sure that this kid grows up well um, and doesn't become a big bad villain. So he's kind of trying to shape this boy's life. Where Luthor is doing very passive and overt things to try to make sure he can control his very own Superman. I don't know where Justice League Unlimited lined up with the Teen Titans comics, um, in which a lot of this stuff was addressed. But if they were coming out around the same time, 
Um, I would have liked to have seen them adapt, bring in that character and sort of adapt some of what they were doing over in the books in the comics. And then had the League go up against this guy, or just bring him into the League even, and have Superman sort of mentoring him. I know they had Supergirl and they were doing that very thing, but I would have liked to have seen what they could have done with that version of Superboy. But there was probably an embargo on a Superboy because of Smallville. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Blue Beetle. Yeah, I mean... There is another embargo there, too. Yeah, the Blue Beetle, um, he was involved in the DCAU-related comic books. Um, I think he made a couple appearances there, but yeah, just never made his way to the show, which is a shame because they could have done... I bet if they could have got Blue Beetle, they would have done a Justice League International-centric episode. You know, with Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Fire, Ice, Captain Marvel, um... Who am I forgetting? Elongated Man, Maxwell Lore. I mean, they, they would have found a way. I mean, they did a Seven Soldiers of Victory episode. Tell me they wouldn't have done a JLI, JLI Bwahaha era uh, Justice League Unlimited episode if they could have got Blue Beetle. But I'm really convinced that's why they didn't do it. Because they couldn't yeah. get that one character. Because he really is a core. If you're going to do that, you have to have him. You mm-hmm. absolutely have to have Ted Cord there the same light as you have to have the Martian Manhunter if you're going to do the core Justice League. Yes. And you know what? Let's speak about him. We didn't speak about him um, as as a voice actor. Um, I I feel he... He's kind of, in a weird way, an unsung hero yeah. of this program because he always had to play the very flat... He was the straight guy. Always. He very rarely got to fluctuate into happiness or anger. And, but you still understood when he was happy and when he was angry, mm-hmm. just by the little shifts he would do in his voice. And again, um, this goes to something we spoke about on our review of The Dark Knight, you know, he, which of course, again, people can hear the Saturday, uh, the 19th of March. The 19th? Is that what it is? Yeah, the 19th of March. Um, he didn't have his face and his body to rely on. To, to, to pull off those subtle changes, you know? He only had his voice. Um, so I think a lot of people might overlook him when it comes to praising the voice actors, but I think he should be near the top because of what he had to do, because he kind of had to stay in this box and couldn't shift too far one way or the other, but he found these ways to do it. Because mm-hmm. he, he, he was mostly deadpan, but somebody has to be that, be that character. And he really brought... It, you know, no pun intended. He brought a human, a, a humanity to that character, and you really sympathized with his with his problem. Where you know he is the last of the Martians, and you really, really feel bad for him most of the time because there's there weren't all that you know. We joked all the time about how he was. Anytime he had to use his psychic powers, he got some kind of psychic backlash. Yeah, exactly. But all the same. He's still a great character and a very he grounds the league a lot a lot of the time and uh, he he's a he really is a conscience uh, along with uh, Wally if yeah. you think about it mm-hmm. and Carl Lumbly just he did a great job with that character yeah, absolutely um, now do you want to talk about um, our favorite episodes from Justice League Unlimited sure okay uh, why don't you start us off again um, just our you know our top three like we did with Justice League. Well, I guess uh, the, my favorite would. God, this is so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my favorite has to be the Once in Future thing. Okay. Uh, I know it's a two-parter, but 
you know, that it still counts. <laughs> uh, it It's so awesome going... You get to see Jonah Hex and Terry McGinnis in the same, you know, quote-unquote episode. Yeah. That, in and of itself, is enough to get the episode an eight. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you throw in uh, all the... The cameos, you've got the Hal Jordan cameo, you've got the, the Jokers being augmented, uh, freaking Chucko being crushed by a meteor. Um, <laughs> just, it, it really is, it is such a fun, awesome, epic episode. And uh, I that has to be my favorite. Uh, after that, I would go to Epilogue, because this was the only episode that I used the adjective perfect. Yeah, that before. was, yeah. Of, and this in the entire DCAU, that's the only episode I use the word perfect on. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense saying that a perfect episode is second best to another, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, but epilogue is, is it ties everything up. It, it, uh, it does so much for the character of Terry McGinnis. And we, we spoke earlier about how Amanda Waller, uh, was a humongous part of that episode. And then there's the whole, there's the whole ace death which really really is very sad and i i've i said during that review that it it really makes me well up every time i see that um yeah then you get you know kevin conroy augmenting his voice even further to older bruce older older bruce (laughs) that's very solid number two and uh i guess number three hmm I guess I have to go back into the Cadmus arc here and uh, go with uh, Question Authority because that episode is all about the question and just how he's he's starting to lose his mind over how the world is going to end in his in his mind and we get some great this is and this is where we he has the chair throwing <laughs> yeah uh, and then the the awesome awesome confrontation with Lex in his office mm-hmm. and then we get Lex beating the shit out of him and him trying to choke him out with his necktie yeah. <laughs> so yeah that that's gonna be number three for me okay. but this was a very hard thing to uh, list to compile yeah I mean while, while you were talking I was looking at the list and I realized that in my top three are episodes that didn't score tens um, one of them did, but the other two didn't. Um, at number one, I've got to put Divided We Fall because I'll be honest with you, it really comes down to the fact that Flash is the one who saved the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like the producers realized that they had dropped the ball on the character um, in the early days of Justice League Unlimited. I mean, they made cracks about it where he was sitting there playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots with Elongated Man, you know? Um, it was Elongated Man, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he makes that crack up, you know, feeling like a kid's sidekick um, and not being appreciated and all that. And I think th- that's why they let him save the day. He's like, okay, we screwed up. Let's, let's, let's have him do that. And, you know, you're like, wait, did he just run away? And no, he's circling the globe and he's taking out Bra- Brainiac Luthor and just the emotion of all that, the big buildup to that. Um, that, that just puts it over the top for me. Um, I think just below that, um, so in my number two position would be Flash and Substance. I mean, 
it's it's the fucking Flash Museum. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you're off your meds again, James. You know, you're wearing the costume again. Make sure to turn yourself in. I mean, the way you get to see him handle the rogue, specifically um, the trickster, once again reminds you that he's not Batman. He's not Orion. He's not Hawkgirl. He's not Green Lantern, who are just going to punch these guys in the face first. He's going to try to talk it out with them. Um, and, you know, he will punch him in the face if he has to, but he doesn't want to. You know, just look at how he handled the ultra-humanite mm-hmm. in comfort and joy. You know, this guy helps him out, gets him out of a bind, and then at the end of the story, he gets him a little Christmas tree for his jail cell because that's who he is. And I think in my number three position, um, it's another one that scored a nine. I have to go with Task Force X. Oh, yeah. It's an episode that focuses on the Suicide Squad. Whether they're called the Suicide Squad or not, it doesn't matter. Um, My only real gripe with that one was the fact that I don't think they had any real exit plan. Right. You know, they don't tell us what the exit plan is because I don't think the writers knew what the exit plan was going to be. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around what that could have been. So that did definitely bring that one down a little for me. But it's still a ballsy episode. Um, you know, we're following these four operatives as, as you know, they're, they're performing this just daring raid. Um, now, granted, ultimately... You know, yeah, they do steal. What was that thing called? The Annihilator? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think in the very next episode, the thing's destroyed, isn't it? In the balance, yeah. you know. Yeah. So ultimately, the, 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 their their job didn't really matter. But just, I, I really like the way the characters interacted. Is what it was. You know, we have the romance, rom- the budding potential romance between Deadshot and Plastique. Uh, we have the way Flag treats Deadshot. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Captain and, Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, Captain Boomerang just being Captain Boomerang. Um, you know, we get Plastique not dying, but just being utterly mauled by that explosion. At the end of it, uh, I think it's the two Johns. They don't they don't know if they can trust anybody that works on the station anymore. Um, it really does change the way the League is going to look at their support staff. Um, and that really doesn't play out, but we know that seed is there now. So not only do we have humans not trusting the heroes, now we have heroes not trusting the humans. Um, and I wish that could have went somewhere, but I'm not going to fault the series for it not going anywhere. It was just an interesting little thing that they threw in there. So definitely my top three. Now the hard part, or maybe it's not, what's your bottom three? Well, I called this episode the terrible trio of Justice League Unlimited, so chaos at the Earth's core is easily the worst um there's just i just hate that episode but, but mainly for star girl and her utter bitchiness that just comes from really no, for no reason at all other than the fact that i guess she's like 17 years old and she's a, a high schooler yeah <laughs> and it makes sense i mean it, it, it does but i would like a little more so so heavy-handed <laughs> so yeah. driven into our skulls yeah <laughs> yeah don't don't like it um, this is where it gets a little trickier. Um, I, number two is Hawk and Dove. Um, I said this when we reviewed it. It's, they beat you over the head with the, with a, uh, with a, uh, a political agenda, I'll mm. say. Yeah. And 
they these two characters i just we i think you and i both asked this uh kind of rhetorically on the episode is how can you write a good episode for these two characters mm-hmm. um and i i don't think you can especially if it's going to be handled like this right um so yeah that's going to be the second worst i guess after that the third worst would have to be clash just for how unbelievably stupid it is for Superman to be acting like that, and how he treats Captain Marvel, who's done nothing wrong except accidentally endorsing Lex Luthor. Right, yeah. And he just acts like a total dickhead mm. the entire time. So that, yeah, you know, that was a lot easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos of the Earth's core, Hawk and Dove, Clash. Yeah, that's that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty easy list, actually. Um... My list is exactly the same. Um, I think the order is going to be different, though. Mm-hmm. I think Clash is going to be the worst of them. Again, because... And you put Clash as the third worst of them, right? Yes. That's Okay, that's the order I thought you did them in. Yeah, Clash is definitely the worst of the worst because it's just... It's completely nonsensical what's going on. It was very clearly the producers trying to further the... Further, Luthor's agenda of showing that even the best superhero can turn on a dime. But it was just dumb. It made zero sense. So that's the worst. Then I got to go with Hawk and Dove in the in the number two spot again because that that message it's it's just hammer to the head. I get it. Hammer to the head. No, I said I get it one more time. No, I really got it. Just for good measure, one more time. And it's just like shut up. Um, and then Chaos at the Earth's Core. Even though I scored that one two whole points higher than you, it's still a boring fucking episode. <laughs> and the, 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 the guest star they bring in uh, disappears for pretty much all of it. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> like, what the hell was that about? <laughs> and the, the, the dialogue, I think that might have been the worst script they came up with for JLU. That was such a horrible script. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought for the voice actors <laughs> and actresses. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Do you want to just get into the episodes we uh, are going to look back on? I guess that's a logical place to go. Okay. So uh, why don't you start us off? What's the first story you uh, look back at? Now, remember, guys, we this, this doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to rescore them. It just means we looked at them again to decide if we're going to raise or lower our scores. So, James, what was your first one? Um, I guess my first one, we're going all the way back to the beginning of the first season of Justice League and in Blackest Night. Uh, I gave that a three, and you gave it a two, I believe. Um, Uh, Yeah. And I'm going to lower it to a two. Because it is just so, 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 so boring. I I just, it's mind-numbingly boring. And... uh, I think a two befits that very well. For me, the first one that I'm going to look back, that I decided to look on, was uh, Maid of Honor. Um, this one you gave a six, I believe, and all of a sudden I was seeing it on the spreadsheet. Yeah, you gave it a six, I gave it an eight. And when I watched it again, I'm like, okay, the princess character is completely fucking annoying. <laughs> then there's this point where Throughout the whole thing, she's talking about how much she doesn't like her uh, uh, fiance. You know, she's being forced to marry him. All this, all this bullshit. And 
then when Diana is like, oh my god, you're Vandal Savage, and starts like being like, this guy's a war criminal, he's a fucking Nazi, the princess is like, how dare you badmouth this guy? It's like, <laughs> well, two minutes ago you were doing the same thing, and this isn't a case of I can badmouth uh, a loved one, but you can't. That's not what's going on here. She doesn't even like this guy on any level. You know, she's marrying him for her country, pretty much for her father. You know, so that doesn't make sense. Um, there's a scene where Batman is in his jet, there's a missile chasing it, and he is able to get the missile to go after another plane. Now, granted, the guy's able to eject out of his plane, but Batman still had a missile hit a human being's plane. He doesn't know the guy. What if the guy's ejector seat failed? Well, there goes your fucking rule, Batman. And I think I might have brought this point up during the review, at least. Yeah, I had to have brought this up, but I want to bring it up again, just in case I didn't. Okay, the Justice League and Batman, they always have their eye on Kaznia. Because it's fucking Kaznia, right? Yeah. Then how did no one know that the princess was engaged to Vandal Savage Third? Yeah. It looks just like the original Vandal Savage. Because, of course, it is the original Vandal Savage. But there's no way that would have been a surprise to anyone. No one. Not Batman, not Wonder Woman, not Jesus fucking Christ. Not the Flash. The Flash would have been like, what? Yeah, everybody would have known that that's the dude. Um, and then the biggest thing that bugs me out of that entire episode is that asteroid that Vandal is going to shoot at Paris from the railgun, rail he says that is going to destroy the entire city of Paris. But when Batman redirects it at the castle, it only destroys the castle and not all of Kaznia. What? <laughs> no. And then again, you're telling me everybody got out of that castle? It's a big fucking castle. A lot of people work there. I only think we see a dozen people leave. I don't care that it was the night shift or whatever. Again, so Batman shoots a missile, it's, uh, shoots it, but directs a missile at some guy, and now an asteroid at this castle. It's just, it's just, it's crap all around. So that went from an eight all the way down to a six. You know what? And fuck it. That's actually going down to a five for me. As I was talking it here, that got regraded again. Eight to a five. <laughs> Okay, what's your next one? Whew, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How the hell do I follow that up? Um, <laughs> I guess I'll just go to Hawk and Dove, which, okay. again, is this is going to be the exact same thing as in Blackest Night, except that I'm I'm more angry with this episode than I am just kind of meh about it. Mm. It's going down to a two because that it's just so it's so dumb. It beats you over the head with an agenda, and it doesn't stop. Oh, yeah. my God, it does not stop. Not even – I think it's still going into the credits, I think it is. <laughs> stop. I think while Superman is fighting Captain Marvel, they're still doing like – Hawk and Dove are like, no, you guys shouldn't fight. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's going down to it, too. Uh, next up for me is A Better World. Um, you gave this one a 7. I gave it a 5. I really don't think I want to rescore this one. In my notes, I did bump it up from a 5 to a 6, but as I'm reading through my notes, none of the notes justify why it should be brought up from a 5 to a 6. It's been a long time, and I did not go back to listen to episode 74. Why were you so down on A Better World? Because that's the Justice Lords. Right. Um, I don't think... Okay, this is what... I didn't go back and listen to that episode either. I'm just basing... The note, I just wrote notes based on having rewatched the episode, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand why the Lords briefly abandoned their world to help the Justice League. They never say why they want to do that. Doomsday just comes out of nowhere. Really, I know 
the League needed to bring down the Lords, but siding with Luthor and giving him a presidential pardon? Okay, sure, Luthor had that ray gun, which we saw earlier in the two-parter, that took away their powers, but are you telling me Batman couldn't have figured out a way to, 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 to remake or fix that gun? And then, and then used it? Did they really need to give Luthor a fucking pardon? It was just an excuse to set up what would come later. You know, him being free and being able to run for president. That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, th there's little bits where the animation is off, especially on Luthor's face. Um, I mean, that said, I do think the Lord's costumes look cool. They're really great designs. But ultimately, it's just an average episode. And I know a lot of people like it. Again, James, you gave it a seven. Um, but I can't, I just, I just can't bring it up. That one's definitely going to stay a five from me. Okay. So what's for you or next for you? Next is, is metamorphosis. Okay. Now this one, I, I had to go back and watch because I was like, this cannot possibly be this bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it, unbelievably, it is. <laughs> it's that bad. I'll tell you it what. I'm gonna, hang on. I'm going to jump in right here. I considered doing that one, but then I'm like, no, it's that bad. I'm not suffering through it again. <laughs> so I can't believe you did. <laughs> I did suffer through it again. Um, now, that said, I'm not going to change my grade. I think okay, two yeah. is low enough. I, I was seriously debating uh, bumping it down all uh, to a one. <laughs> down to war world territory but no i i still like the uh fights i i still do dig them and i think that's enough to get a two so i'm gonna leave that as it is okay uh for me up next is the terror beyond uh you gave this a six i gave this a three and it is going to stay a three um like I honest, I, honest to god i thought you were gonna lower it no no i wasn't gonna do that um you know, having, you know, I really wanted to give this one another shot to see if, because my biggest complaint, I did say this earlier, is the heart of the episode doesn't come in until the end, and it is too late. And it's a great heart that they put into it. It really is. I do believe that Shaira connected with Grundy. You know, and there's the whole stuff where she's questioning, because she doesn't have faith. And she's questioning all these characters that do, including a fucking zombie you know, who still thinks he can have a soul waiting for him in the afterlife now that he's done this great thing of defeating Cthulhu or not Cthulhu or whatever that thing was, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot going on with her in that episode, but all happens a little too late. Um, I still say you can skip the bulk of that first episode, especially the big fight, if the two sides just spoke to each other, but they're just all like, let's rumble, and they start throwing punches. Just Tell me what you're doing. No. Tell yeah. me what you're doing. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they really just needed to sit down and have some have a little tea and maybe some cakes, and they, they could have sorted all that mess out, and it would have never needed to be a two-parter. Um, and I do think some of the fights were just kind of generic. Uh, a little less than generic, actually. And, yeah, there's the whole thing of there's this big god thing that no one can destroy except for a demon and a one Thanagarian? You know, that, that, that punch it to death from the inside out? I'm sorry. It's, as I said, it stays a three. I understand. <laughs> okay, what's uh, fourth for you? 
Next is Legends. Um, okay. This one I went I went to back to look at because I I do love this episode a lot. It's probably in my top five, maybe maybe sixth uh, in terms of favorite episodes of the original two seasons. Uh, because I really wanted to have an excuse to give this a ten, but you know I go I went back and watched and I listened back to our review of it and. I can't give it that 10 just because of that glaring flaw of the gravestones. So I, I, I unfortunately can't bump this up to a 10 as much as I really want to. Uh, remind me again, what was the flaw with the gravestones? I remember uh, there being a complaint about them, but I don't remember what the specific complaint was. Well, just the fact that they were there. Okay. Uh, how, yeah. you know, it's, it's the thing that why, if this, if this guy is controlling all of this reality, why are they, those gravestones there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but hey, 9 out of 10 is nothing to uh, scoff at. Exactly. Exactly. So um, next up for me is Ultimatum. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't write any notes for this one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I should note that you gave it a 10. I originally gave it an 8. I don't know. I I didn't write any notes. I I can't really say anything about this one. All I can say is is it's just going to stay an 8. I mean... There is a lot of emotion to it, you know, with the uh, the Native American character whose name I can't remember right now. Long Shadow. That's it, Long Shadow. There is some good emotion there. Um, I like the fact that we see Maxwell Lord. Um, I like the idea of these cloned heroes being marketed and they're under control of the government. But I just, at the end of the day, can't bring it up to a nine or to a ten. Like you gave it. Now, off the top of your that you gave it, I should say, uh, off the top of your head, do you remember why you gave it a ten? And please, I'm not criticizing. I'm just curious because I cannot remember. It has awesome action scenes. Uh, the it it pays tribute to um, the Super Friends from you know, way back in the day, and it's the first appearance of Amanda Waller. Oh yes, the, yeah. And the rich boy line, which yeah. I I think I remarked was good enough for two points almost. <laughs> I think you might have, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's it's such an awesome episode. I don't remember, I don't remember what uh, what you uh, criticized about it, or I could be like, because um, I didn't I didn't go back and watch that because I was never going to change that grade. Yeah. But so I can't I can't remember what your critiques of it were. So I can't I don't have a rebuttal to offer here. So I don't know what what the crit, uh, criticisms were. Yeah, I I just think it just wasn't. You know, if you're going to give it a 10, an episode doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be damn near close, you know? Or it has to connect with you on some almost personal level. And it just didn't hit that mark with me. But again, an 8. Very strong episode, all the same. Uh, so what's the last one that you uh, look back at? Last one for me was Comfort and Joy. <laughs> you know, this was... It was a strange episode. It, it, it didn't fit in with the in- entire rest of Justice League the, in in either season. It was the only one-part story. It was just, it was a breather between Wild Cards and then the epic that followed that, yeah. uh, Starcrossed. And I don't remember why I gave that an 8, because there, there really isn't anything wrong with it. It's just, it's just a fun little, hey, let's, let's just goof off and spend Christmas together episode. (laughs) So I'm going to bump it up to a 10. Wow. Awesome. Um, I almost went back to that one because how I chose these episodes was I looked at any episodes 
that was where there was an, a, a, generally speaking, at least a two point difference between what you scored it and I scored it. And because you scored that one an eight and I scored it a ten, I almost went back and been and looked at it to go, should I give this an eight or a nine? Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, no, no, no. I, there's other episodes that I want to. Uh, focus my attention on. So uh, I find that interesting that you did go back to that one. So awesome. Awesome that you bumped that one up. Um, so my last one is Darkheart. You gave this a five and I gave it an eight. And if I recall correctly, the main reason I gave it an eight is because I'm a Warren Ellis fanboy. And Warren Ellis wrote that one. But looking back at it, though I do enjoy the episode, it's deeply flawed. Um, the Adam just punching the thing or whatever the hell he did. What did he do? Did he punch it? What did he, he do? He just kind of choked it out. <laughs> but then didn't, like, he, didn't he try punching it or something? At one yeah, point? he tried punching it, but it didn't work. So then he just yeah. gave it a heart attack by squeezing a tube. Yeah. It, it's, what? It's got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's got the big problem of, oh, we destroyed the brain so all the little things die, despite the fact that they said all the little things carry all the information of the big thing. So all those little things should become potential big things. And, and really, it's just an all-action episode. I mean, it's, it is just the League fighting these little robots over and over and over again. And even though the Darkheart played a big part at the end of the Cadmus storyline, beyond that, this episode didn't have any repercussions. We didn't see any Leaguers... They didn't have to kill anybody, but we didn't really even see anybody, like, really messed up. I know we had said, oh, it would have been neat if you saw so a scrap of so-and-so's costume, but, oh, no, where's the rest of them? I understand not killing one of them, but I, I don't think the characters suffered enough. I'm not saying they should have lost limbs, but they should have been a little more scratched up, a little more bruised, more dinged and all that, all this and that, to really drive home the point that this was a big fucking threat. Um, to the episode's credit, though, you know, this is the first time we see the, the, the binary fusion generator get fired, um, which, you know, further fuels the animosity the, the, the humans have, uh, especially Cadmus and the United States government has at the League. So it has that going for it. But, no, it's, it's definitely not the eight that I said it was. I have to push aside my Warren Ellis fanboyism. And uh, you gave it a five. I'm bringing it down to a six. He'll be here any minute, kids. That jolly man in the red suit is coming to pay his Christmas visit. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, yeah! You're the coolest! Merry Christmas, guys. Have you been good this year? Yes! You can bet they've been good when it means seeing their favorite hero. Don't forget the present he brings. You really don't have to do that. Come on, it's tradition. What's it going to be this year, guys? A video game? Sports equipment? Well, there is something. Name it. It's on! It's on! It's on! It's on! It's DJ Rubber Ducky! I'm the Rubber Ducky with all the fly moves. Rocking his house with my tight grooves. Go Rubber, go Rubber, go Rubber Ducky! That actually is pretty cool. Okay, DJ Rubba Ducky it is. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. 
Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll look back at the entirety of the DC Animated Universe and World's Finest Podcast, discussing the universe as a whole and this show. We'll also regrade several episodes from all of the DC Animated Universe series. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. With just, those are my cats fighting, by the way. Two people brave enough to take on his whole revoir. That man is Joss Whedon. And those two people are us. We're going through it all. Buffy, Angel, Firefly and Serenity, Dr. Horrible, Dollhouse, and the Avengers. And what does that make us, Hannah? I believe that makes us big damn heroes, Preston. Ain't we just. Big damn heroes. A new podcast coming only from Earth2.net this spring. Look for it.